Turn right here. Now that you've safely arrived at your destination, be sure to visit thatlarryshow.com. Welcome to episode number 172 of Grumpy Old Benz for Monday, June 28th, 2021. I'm Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I've got the AC cranking and I'm feeling nice and cool, which uh, is not the case for my normal co-host who is sweltering in place over on the left coast. So we uh, we got uh, somebody to fill in and, uh, you know, I mean, there's nobody better. To fill in for Bemrose than Blydener. I mean, it's even a B. It all sounds good. How are you, Larry? I am well, Darren. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Is it? I'm guessing it's a little warm in California, but you all are sane enough to have air conditioning. Not everyone does. Surprisingly, there are still some people who uh, who don't, and um, they have my my condolences. It's tough, man. But but as they say, it is a dry heat, and. Uh, <laughs> so (laughs) i don't know if that helps i hear that from people in you know places like uh, arizona it's like it's a dry heat but you know once it's hitting triple digits i'm not too sure and uh the folks in uh, seattle when it's hitting over 100 degrees i'm just assuming that the problems are going to be not just short term but i remember this happening in areas before that streets start buckling you know then the bridges i mean we just saw what happened in miami you know a little salt water yeah. maybe gets in uh yeah the heat messes with things and uh not really good so uh stay cool yeah. ryan i know he's listening and i'm sure he will yes. be trolling along in the no agenda troll room over at noagendastream.com which is where we do these shows live monday and friday at noon eastern time do you ever do you ever wish you wanted to do your show live? Is there any you ever feel like you want a troll room? People telling you you're wrong while you're recording. I I do, but I lack the uh, I lack the uh, cranial firepower to, to juggle those balls. I'm, <laughs> I'm not much of a multitasker, so I don't I don't go there. It's not. You know? it, it takes uh, it takes a lot of practice. Adam Curry is yeah. one of the best ever at doing that because he can be talking during no agenda. And then right. I see him typing things in the troll room at the same time, often yeah. kicking people. During yep. That's like, yeah, it's a three ring circus. Yeah. Yeah. Like those, those old plate spinners from, uh, from TV shows, variety shows and so forth. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think it's a gift really. I don't know if you can develop that, you know, but some guys have it. I don't. <laughs> you have to be, yeah, you have to be able to think uh, three different things at the yeah. same time. And uh, I mean, I, I do keep up with that Larry show. And I mean, I still Thank blame you. you for the reason why Random Thoughts is there <laughs> and why Grumpy Old Benz is here, which is why you're more than just a, you know, honorary Ben. You are one of us. You've been on more shows than anybody except, of course, uh, Ryan and I. And uh, that's a that's an honor that I do treasure. That's a very cool thing. And, uh, you know, your last episode at the end, I mean, it, it cut with the. uh you know, with no music at the end, with no, uh, you know, no gaieties, you know, going to the next one because of 
the death of yes. John McAfee, which uh, I, I don't know. This is just opening a door, I think, of uh, the conspiracy theorists. I mean, do you have do you mean do you have a theory on this? I mean, did, yeah. did he kill himself? Um, I mean, it's anything's possible, um, but I, I really doubt it. Um, he didn't seem the type. I mean, I spent, uh, you know, I don't know, an hour and a couple hours with him, I guess, back in December of 2019. But, you know, a lot can change in a person's outlook uh, over two years like that or a year and a half. Um, but you know, the guy did say repeatedly, you know, I'm never going to, I never get off myself. So if it, if it happens, it uh, wasn't me. Right. Um, but the, I think the most compelling, uh, argument that he did not commit suicide was that of his wife, who's a very cool woman, very nice, very sweet. And, uh, you know, there's, there's video of her right outside wherever the hell it is, the prison or some, some municipal building in Barcelona. And she says, you know, I talked to him a couple hours before, uh, um, you know, they told me he was dead and he was not suicidal. And you know what? I believe her. Um, you know, the thing I did was I pulled a, an ISO out of my interview, you know, cause you forget what you did. And I, I, uh, realized that very, you know, not too deep into it. I knew that he was being hounded by various government, uh, agencies and people and so forth. And, um, I said, has anybody personally got it in for you? And he, boom, just, just shot right up. Yeah. Hillary Clinton and James Comey didn't have to think. Yeah, those are big <laughs> names too. I mean, they're big they're- names. They are big names. Um, so uh, I, no, I, I, I don't know well, what I do know is this, the, the point I made and I think McAfee got on it right away is, is people tend to view, uh, things, you know, entities like governments or corporations as these kind of vague, amorphous, vast organisms. Um, and that's a really, really damn faulty viewpoint, really, really naive. You know, they are made up of individuals, of people. And are individuals petty and vindictive and shitty? Yes, they are. So, you know, you see this time and again, people have been, have been, uh, um, abused and misused and disused and Christ knows what else by vast government agencies, because there's always some guy at the top or close to it that says that points a finger or presses a button and says, make this happen. So why not? Why not? Well, yeah, they have the ultimate power when it comes down to getting away with things that normal people would be like, well, no, nobody could ever get away with that. But, you know, over on the yeah. new agenda show, there is, uh, you know, it hasn't been talked about as much since COVID hit. But before that, there was a lot of talk of the HAG, the Hillary Assassination Group, because (laughs) there's a lot of people surrounding the Clintons that have found their way to very strange deaths, you know, maybe unexplained, definitely people dying way younger than they should or heart attacks or accidents. And the concept that anybody was outside of their reach, I don't think. They were, although John McAfee, I don't remember if he mentioned it in the interview that he did with you. And of course, the uh, some of the last interviews he did were with you and Nick the Rat here on on the No Agenda stream. And I think you got a little bit of a longer interview because uh, John seemed to like you a little more than Nick. Uh, (laughs) uh, The the conversation was uh, a little bit more. uh, I mean, I think you gave him some uh, viewpoints that he hadn't thought of before. I mean, people. That's the inter- the problem with doing interviews with people is quite often it's the same question over and over and over again. Sure. And people that are being interviewed, of course, get bored with that. So if you can right. bring something 
different into that. You know, they're like, oh, well, this is this is a little bit more exciting. Mm. But, uh, you know, I yeah. just don't believe that if uh, John had because did he mention having the huge cash of what allegedly he had, you know, the dead man switch, which is I'm alive because I have all of this information on these people and they know that if they kill me, then there's no reason to protect this information. It's like Alex Jones, yeah. I think, claimed to know where this was or something, right. but I haven't seen right. anything yet. Um, yeah, um, he didn't get th- go there with me. But uh, yeah, I've heard that from Jones and uh, m- multiple sources. And of course, the, you know, <laughs> the, the conspiracy spin machine is, you know, cooking 24 seven. I saw a tweet. I think it was a tweet uh, a couple days ago, and it, it was allegedly one from McAfee saying, I have, you know, uh, uh, 31 terabytes uh, all over places, in particular, my my condominium in Miami. Right. And then they flashed <laughs> to the picture of the collapsed building, you know. Um, so uh, I don't know. But, but you know, you I think you, you hit it well in your last episode. I mean, uh, McAfee was not a... Uh, he was certainly a fighter. He was certainly a ballsy guy. There's no question. Um, and as you as you pointed out, he had had yet to exhaust every possibility with the Spanish government um, to avoid extradition. And uh, why does a guy like that off himself? It wasn't. It was not. It was the ball was not on the one yard line yet. Right. Far from it. So I don't get it. No, that you would have thought if that was the case, yes, you would have had to make sure everything had been exhausted as far as his legal options in Spain. But then I hadn't really been following it that closely. And then once the uh, the conspiracy again, this is not uh, you know stuff you're going to find on CNN or whatnot. But people were pointing out that a vast majority of like the photos that he had shared before he was allegedly apprehended by the Spanish authorities were showing him in a ghost hotel in Spain, right. which right. was kind of weird, but it's like he was so very careful. I mean, most of the time he was doing everything inside and there was always that same backdrop behind him. So it's like knowing where he was, you know, if you were trying right. to hide that, was he just dumb? I mean, was he just careless that all of these you know, landmarks were in the background showing that he was in Spain at this particular property or you know, were you all supposed to catch it? You know, this was what you were supposed to see. And this whole thing was a setup to, oh, he went to prison. And then all of a sudden yeah. this happened. And which is, I mean, I haven't seen any photos. I don't know if his wife has talked about, you know, seeing the body. I mean, I know she said she right. wants a full investigation. But right. if John still had billions of dollars, it's very easy to buy people off in a Spanish sure. prison or whatever True. that. uh Right. I don't think this will be a quick thing that'll die down. I think people will be uh, throwing these uh, theories around for a long sure. time because, I mean, we all want to believe that he's just back on a boat somewhere, uh, you know, sailing. Yes. I want to be in that boat with him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe he had billions. Um, I remember him talking something, whatever. Uh, he, he he had, I think when he sold the, the, the antivirus company, um, I don't think he cashed out as big as everybody thinks he did. I think it was around 100 million bucks um, that he had at the peak of his fortune. And then he did a, some things. That, he opened up like a yoga clinic in the Rockies. He did a few things, and, and he did take a massive haircut at one point. 
um, in his in his finances, and I think he was down to a paltry 10, 15 million, something like that. That was kind of the, around the number I remember being kicked around. Well, you know, you, you, that'll get you around for a while, but that's not going to buy off all that much. Right, right. And, um, you know, near the end, <clears throat> he uh, he said he's, one of his last tweets was, um, you know, they've, they've frozen all my assets. I have nothing, but I have no regrets. Um, so, you know, you've, you've covered it in your show. I mean, Jesus, if these if these assholes can can pull a plug on uh, uh, ICANN d- domains at will um, and they do freeze assets all over the over the world. Um, why not? You know, maybe maybe he didn't have anything left to grease palms with, um, you know, in the in the uh, in the Spanish bureaucracy. Um, I don't know. Um, he what, what something is an interesting contrast with this, uh, Darren, is you know, in, all through through life, through the world, <clears throat> especially through politics. Um, it's uh, it is the, the old adage goes, it's not who you know, but who you blow. It's really a combination <laughs> of both. Um, there was a guy back um, 40 years ago who was just a, a bad hombre. His name was Mark Rich, and he was like this. He did everything, hedge funds and so forth, but he was a really a really uh, sleazy character. And they had a, they had like a, a football field length of charges against this guy. He was all he was all deeply mobbed up with the Russian mafia. He was into uh, espionage I and mean, he was all kinds of nasty shit. But unlike McAfee, Mark Rich, he lived up to his name. He was worth several billion, right? He got wind of this, and he boogied to Switzerland. And he lived in great luxury there, uh, you know, for, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. And somehow, you know, I don't know what the deal is between Switzerland and the U.S. as, as, as opposed to Spain and the U.S., but they they never managed to get uh, Mark arrested or extradited or anything like that. He lived over there very nicely, in fact, until... <laughs> The very last day of uh, Bubba Clinton's uh, presidency, he fully pardoned Mark Rich. Right. Okay. Now, all the government had against, well, not all, I'll say the, the, the concrete, or no, not even concrete, the alleged charges they had against John McAfee was he owned, he owed, they said, $4.9 million in back taxes. Well, that's a fucking rounding error for a, even a small town budget. Okay. $4.9 million. What's that? Okay. Um, additionally, they claimed he did some pump and dumping with cryptocurrencies and so forth. Gee, if we, if we, do we know anybody that does that? Uh, Musk? Yep. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes. Does, is anybody pissed at Musk? No, they're not. No, they're not. Okay. Well, the government's what, not. There's a lot of people involved in crypto that seem yes, to be. Yes, correct. But. The government's not. I stand corrected. Yes, the government's not. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, so they had some pretty flimsy shit against uh, against John McAfee, but but my contention is what they had uh, was the unforgivable, unpardonable crime of he did not lick their asses. He told them to fuck off. He named names. He was belligerent. He would not bend the knee, and that they will not forgive. Well, yeah, he was a guy for being on the run. He was in contact with a whole lot of people, including you and Nick the Rat and other people right. when he started right. doing the the podcast tour, which I thought was very interesting. It was. I was absolutely shocked at that because I am, as we as we know, and I may prove time and again in this in this broadcast, I am not a Ben. But I think I know this. I think I know that there is no digital activity invented yet that cannot be traced. 
And so, you know, John is certainly a tech titan, you know, knows more than I ever will. But when he, he agreed to our interview and said he was going to do it via Zoom. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking there's probably like a thousand bends at, at any any government spook agency that can tell you where the fuck a Zoom call is originating. I would imagine, you know. And as we spoke, I remember thinking, wow, you know, does he have, he mentioned he was in a Faraday cage, but I don't think those work on, <laughs> on wired uh, devices. I think that's for uh, over the air frequency. I don't know. Anyway, um, I was kind of shocked that there was something, was, was not something more um, underground than garden variety Zoom, I think, you know, so. Yeah, that's definitely would have been a weak point of that whole thing. I mean, there are right? plenty of things you can set up that you could again get a server of your own and set mm-hmm. up something where you can bounce the call through it would make it much harder for people to get the ip address i mean of course i'm sure he was running through vpns and all of that and if you know what you're doing which is why you know a lot of times the bandwidth wasn't that great although he was allegedly you know in all sorts of different places around the world where bandwidth may not have been great anyway but yeah. you're definitely when you're doing a live conversation you're opening yourself up to a much bigger possibility of your location being found out. And again, I don't know if he was looking to leave, you know, clues why he was doing so many of these shows, mm-hmm. which uh, we know, again, he wasn't getting paid to do this. He was nope. just doing this for, you know, fun, I guess. And I guess the case can be made that he just wanted to talk to the outside world because he enjoyed telling stories. And I mean, he was one oh. hell of a storyteller. Oh, he was he was massively entertaining. Really? I mean, I used to, I mean, I I used to always look forward just to his his tweets and his videos on uh, on Twitter for for a couple of years when he was on the run on that uh, sport fishing boat in the Caribbean and various places and he's sitting in his keyboards and having uh, steel drum parties, you know, in Jamaica or wherever the hell he was Bahamas. It was like, this is fantastic, man. This is like better than anything Hollywood could produce. It was great. Right. You're like, who doesn't want a house down in Belize yeah. and just escape? And yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there is, he is that, uh, you know, the outlaw character that, uh, you know, he really was out of a kind of a James Bond era type movie. Oh, absolutely. And that was the episodes that I did on him was a two part interview. It was, you know, the, the outlaw, it was called The Outlaw John McAfee. And I sort of did a paste up of the old Josie Wales. Uh, a movie poster and plugged John's uh, handsome mug into it. And he was totally delighted with that, man. I can't tell you how much he loved. <laughs> so clearly, yeah, he got off on, on that image and why not? You know, um, um, it was just, I think it's just terrible. I, again, I would say as far as his fortune goes and so forth, think of it this way. If he, if he was worth even a hundred million bucks, even 50 million, I mean, if I was in his shoes and Uncle Sam was demanding less than five million from me to to get the fuck off my back, I'd write that check in a heartbeat. Right. You know, why does the guy fight so hard? I know it's the principle of the thing. Sure. I'm totally down with that. But there's a there's a point in time where it's like you put the principle aside and just say, okay, fuck off. I'm going to, you know, I'm 75 years old. As Janice said, he just wants to, to spend the rest of his life drinking and fishing. I'm down with that program, too. Um, why, why wouldn't he have done that? I you know, maybe he didn't have the four and a half or maybe he only had, you know, five point two or something. I don't know. But um, it's a terrible thing. Because the world is, they don't make guys like that anymore. They just don't. Well, because it beats it out of people now. I mean, this, you can't, you say something wrong on Twitter when you're in the third grade, it's going to come back to haunt you. So, uh, yeah. 
and 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 he um the, the, what's also very disheartening is there's <laughs> it's it's almost like you can you can calibrate who you want to even be in the same zip code with just by their opinions on John McAfee right and you see the reaction to these these posts about him and so many of these people say he was he was a lawbreaker he he disobeyed he just he flouted authority he didn't do what he was supposed to do you know like and, and whoever's saying that i say get get the fuck out of my life don't ever be I, get off the continent i don't want you anywhere near me people but that's the overarching attitude of so many people today they just want to blow authority they can't get enough of boots on their necks. They can't. There's yeah, there's definitely uh, the dimension A and dimension B folks when it comes to that. And I mean, I like Dvorak, John C. Dvorak over on No Agenda talking about John McAfee and back in the early days, how he had the newsletter where he talked about the new viruses, of course, because his product was antivirus. <laughs> It yeah. sounds like a lot of people thought he was behind a bunch of those viruses. And it's like, what kind yeah. of a genius is that is to create yeah. the problem so you can sell the solution, which is not uh, not a bad idea. It's no difference in big pharma, is it? It's how's ex- your le- how's your restless leg syndrome? That's exactly what big pharma <laughs> does. Right. And uh, I mean, I don't know. That's uh, there's a lot of the, uh, you know, the stuff with covid and people are just crazy about uh you know, looking at this from different viewpoints and there's uh you know, there's a certain amount of a level of understanding what's going on. And in your latest show, I mean, you mentioned the same thing, which is I'm all against people being forced to get vaccinated. I don't think the idea and most states seem to be fighting the idea of having any kind of vaccine passport. It's like, I think that's absolutely insane. Yeah. But as you made sure to point out in your last episode, it's like COVID is a real thing. People Absolutely. have gotten sick. People have yeah. died. And there's a sure. lot of people who don't even believe that, which right. it's like, OK, um, you know, I think there's enough evidence, whether it's as bad as people were saying, I don't know. And right. it's going to take a lot of time for that to come down. But this is the era now where no matter what story you're talking about, what information you're getting. You have to ask yourself, if you really want to be informed, Hmm. where is this coming from? Who is vetting this? And do I believe them? And right now, a vast majority of the people in the United States do not trust the mainstream media. There was just a maybe a Harvard. Maybe I'm getting this wrong. Maybe it was a Reuters poll, something like that recently showed like only 27 percent of the people in the United States trusted the mainstream media. And one, I'm thinking, well, that's still kind of high. but uh you know that that shows a vast majority of the people don't believe the news they're getting and i guess i would say that's a good thing but then where do you get your news and how do you live your day-to-day right. life how, what do you believe and what don't you believe let me, let me back you up just a second you said 27 percent do or do not trust the mainstream media what was it do. it was like 27 percent do if okay, i remember so, correctly so less than so less than a third think that that's i'm shocked I'm shocked, Darren, that the, the number is that low. Because, but again, that's probably a function of my location. You know, people in Los Angeles, <laughs> um, you know, love it. I guess. Um, so, I guess the rest of the world is smarter. <laughs> well, you never know. I guess it depends. Yeah. I mean, I think there's places that are free from the insanity of the big cities, and yeah, I mean, we 
both have that bias. I mean, I'm 45 yeah. minutes or so outside of Chicago, but it's still that mentality around here. Sure. And, uh, you know, the big cities, there is not a uh, there's not a healthy big city in the United States that I can really come up with. Uh, I mean, this mm. is Monday, so I should have pointed out at the uh, the opening of the show, as I normally do when Ryan's yeah. on that. Uh, yes. This weekend in Chicago, uh, five dead and at least 71 hurt in uh, in gun violent uh, activities. So, uh, right. yeah, this is this is going yeah. up. It's getting warmer. Seventy one injured, f- five at least dead. And this is an average weekend. Well, it's a little worse than average, but the average well, weekend in Chicago has been pretty bad yeah. s- since we start talking about this stuff. And well, Joey, Joey's new gun initiative will fix all that because, you know, every every one of those guns was bought legally at a, at a gun store or whatever. And all the paperwork is filled out. And it's all those it's all those shoddy um, gun dealers that aren't dotting the T's and crossing the I's or dotting the I's and crossing the T's right. that are responsible for this. You know, none of those guns are bought on the street. None of them. Not one. I'm guessing about 99 percent or yeah. more are bought on the yeah. street. That'll and, fix uh, everything. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, everything that I've been, uh, you know, harping on about on podcasts for the last decade, it all comes down to trying to kill the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. Your freedom That's of correct. speech and, and yes. the gun. That's it. And, you know, to quote Wayne LaPriere, those are the first and second freedoms. There's no question, you know, about that. So, yeah. You know, and I pointed that out in uh, one of the last Random Thoughts episodes, which was people over in Wyoming and Montana. There's like 67% of the people in those states own guns and their gun crime is nearly non-existent. So how do you blame the guns? I mean, this concept in the UK saw this because the UK had the same concept, which is we can ban guns and that'll get rid of gun violence. And then, you know, what happened in the UK is knife crimes went way through the roof. Sure. Because people were getting stabbed on a you know massive scale. So then they start making some knives illegal. Oh, yes. Many knives. And I, I think anything over like two inches is illegal. But it's, it's like, insane. OK, as I mean, as I mentioned in that same episode as well as like a buddy of mine had a friend of his who had an employee that was disgruntled and the guy ran him over with his car. So, you know, there's always a way to do damage to somebody with something that you have. Do guns make it easier? I would say yes. But those who legally own guns have to get a background check. You know, they have to do the, uh, you know, fight through all that red tape. And uh, is any system going to prevent your average law abiding citizens from having a moment of rage and doing something that they normally wouldn't? No. But you go with the stats again. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's a certain mindset, I think, that's just so deeply embedded in certain people's heads that. it's it's not it's just never going to change. I years ago I had a uh, somebody brought me back visited the Philippines, and I've always been a knife guy. I don't have any guns anymore. They were lost in a tragic boating accident. Um, <laughs> you and Bemrose, it's, it's amazing yeah, how many. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell I was doing taking them out there, but you know they're gone. Um, so um, uh, somebody brought me back this very cool knife. It was from the, from the Philippines, and it had a kind of a Gurkha shaped blade. And uh, the the uh, the handle on it was is some animal's bone or foot or something, and it's really um, intricately scroll worked, and it's a it's a real cool paperweight, really. But you could kill somebody with it if you had a mind to, you know. There's no question. You'd be with great style. You'd be doing it. So anyway, <laughs> I nice. got this knife, and somebody was visiting 
you know, to party, whatever, at the house one night and picks this thing up and goes, whoa, look at this. Uh, what tells us? So I told him the story behind how I got it. And he goes, and he goes, is this thing legal? <laughs> I said, what do you, what do you mean? Is it legal? I said, you, you have, you have bigger knives in your kitchen, the wooden block thing. What do you mean? Is it legal? And then he, he looks at me with a straight face and goes, but this was only made for one thing. Sure. Sure. It was okay. only made for one thing. It's only made for one thing. Yeah. So that's that's the mindset of, you know, the, the and I, I refuse to call, you know, gun control. people. I just call them anti self-defense people. And that's what we really need to do is change the vocabulary. And that's why we've gotten into the hole we're in in this country, because we've allowed um, the lefties to control the vocabulary. Um, we should be never using statements like gun control or hate crimes or any of these, any of these, these phrases that they come up with. It's preposterous. It's got to be, why are you anti self-defense? You know, why are you bigoted that you want to make one, one group more important than the other? Doesn't everybody deserve equal protection under the law? Why is somebody, because from someplace, suddenly the, the police should, should pursue, you know, crimes against them with more vigor. What the hell is that? Well, yeah, and it doesn't make sense because the people that no need the extra added self-defense are the smaller and weaker. You know, a lot of women are smaller that having a handgun mm-hmm. could be the uh, the equalizer. I mean, I've said it before. It's like I'm six foot six and about 285 pounds right now. And I think I can handle myself fairly well in a physical confrontation with most other people. But now if you're a five foot tall woman that weighs 95 pounds. That nine millimeter in your purse is a lot more helpful if somebody like me, that my size comes in meaning sure. to do you harm. Yes. And uh, every time there's one of these school shootings, that's the first thing they go to is, well, we need more gun control. And more gun control. we always point to Chicago, which is we have some very, very, very severe gun laws, yet gun crime runs rampant. Why? Because <laughs> they don't prosecute those laws. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing you hear with that, I remember having that that conversation years ago with somebody about Chicago. And the first thing you know, this guy's mouth was, oh, it doesn't matter. Gun, it's gun control, gun problem. It's a national problem. Oh, so like every one of those guns and every so I guess all those. What was it? Seventy five shootings this weekend. All those guys went to what? Indiana or right, Ohio right. or something. Get then came back into Chicago. Well, that is exactly Chicago. what the mayor of Chicago said not that long ago. Is that right? <laughs> because the laws in Indiana make it so easy to get the gun. It's like, do you really think? Uh-uh. That that I mean, then they can't. They're not that stupid. So saying this kind of stuff and letting the media repeat it just shows you how dumb the people are not following the story and understanding. But they also have to know that there are some very harsh gun laws in the United States and in Chicago, especially. But the gun crime is rampant because they really don't want to prosecute. And we talked about this on the last Grumpy Old Ben's. And I brought up the fact that Bill O'Reilly, he had an idea that said, if you really want to take care of this, then you make any crime committed with a gun, a federal crime. And Ryan said that was a horrible idea. And I understand both aspects of this, because making them all federal crimes. Now, this is giving the federal government more authority, which is a bad thing. But you're dealing with a lot of different cities and states now that are being run into the ground because they refuse to prosecute those crimes. So it's like you're kind of caught in a really bad situation when that's the case, because one, you don't want the Fed to come in and take anything over. And I get that. But then you live in Chicago and you watch 
the ultra liberal district attorney, Kim Fox, go, no, you only shot 14 people. No, we're not going to prosecute that. That's that's not even worth our time. And uh, so what do you do then? Get the hell out of Chicago. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) You know, you get out of where you are and you try to go uh, someplace more sane and you, uh, you know, you wait for the cities to kind of implode. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, I, I, I probably would be on, on Ryan's side of that, uh, that argument, because uh, the, the more the more federal overreach is, then then there is no alternative. You can't go someplace else because there's no other there's nothing else on the menu, you know, but what's coming out of D.C. And that's a that's a very scary, uh, scary situation. You know, but we need our so. laws that make the district attorneys actually prosecute the laws. Well, maybe we should stop letting George Soros appoint them. Oh, that'd be a good start. Oh, you can't say that, though. You will be so yanked from oh, really? uh, whatever your you platform is. You can't say bad <laughs> about George Soros. Is that right? Yeah. I know that. Well, that really? was that was the reason. And I mean, the Chicago Tribune has recently just fallen into uh, the, the crap hole that uh, a lot of newspapers have gone into. I mean, it was OK for a while, but they had a guy. That was their main columnist who was there like 30 or 40 years. His name is John Cass. And it's one of the reasons that my dad still kept the Chicago Tribune because he liked to read oh, John yeah. Cass. And he was I on talking about him. I remember. Yes. Yeah, he was on page two. So he was for the longest time. He was their main columnist and mm-hmm. he published an article which talked about crime in Chicago and other major cities and the reason why it wasn't being enforced was because of district attorneys like Kim Fox and all of them, he pointed out, were funded their campaigns by George Soros. And all of a sudden, he was on like the 40th page of the paper. And now he's left the Tribune. So, right. uh, yeah, it's it's what's happening. You can't you can't tell the truth if no. it's against what uh, the the liberal side wants you to hear. And they control the media. And I mean, there's a lot of people. that Well, that's fine. Start your own. Well, <laughs> start your own. Yes, <laughs> you know it's it's an interesting thing. It is yeah. because we've seen now what media has turned into, which is nothing but clickbait. Which isn't just a problem of the left, but the problem with any of these organizations. In order to make money, they have to sensationalize things, and then the reality of what the stories are gets lost. Sure, always. And I don't know what you do at that point. I mean, this comes down to who do you trust? And there's very few people in the media that I trust when it comes to putting, you know, if they put something out there, it's like, well, okay, I believe that you got the facts right. You know, 95% of the time, Bill O'Reilly is one of those guys for me because I followed him for a long time and I fact check him for a long time and have never really ran into issues where he was just blatantly wrong but he's running a personal news thing that's only slightly bigger than you know what we're running here and you're running at that larry show it's a one guy kind of a thing although i mean he's on national radio in new york so that's helpful that his Mm -hmm. program runs on that four nights a week but there's you know you look at cnn or msnbc or you look at fox news it's like they're all the same and they're all using the same format to try to, you know, this they have to make money, and news mm-hmm. to make money, it, it's not the best business model out there. No, no. I mean, podcasting no. obviously is where all the money's at. 
<laughs> well, right? for Rogan, it sure is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're telling me that, that, that O'Reilly's podcast operation is a uh, one-man operation like yours or mine? Or I mean, he has true? a few employees, but it's okay. a... Uh, you know, it's not it's not huge. From what I can understand, yeah. there were some job listings that I saw because he okay. was looking for people not too long ago. And I, it seems like his organization is under 10 people. So whether that means he's got like five people or eight people, I mean, he does have employees, but it's a very, very small operation. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because he's realized the magic of the equipment that we have at our disposal because i can tell i mean a lot of people probably can't but there are days that his sound is a little bit off and the lighting is different so you know he's going he's in a different location but he's just bringing the green screen with him Mm -hmm. and nobody can tell where you are when you're when you're doing a newscast like that with you know you have the backdrop and somebody you know puts the same backdrop in everything looks the same except the lighting's a little off and you can tell you know, it's not quite the multi-thousand-dollar lighting rigs that I'm sure he has in the main studio. Yeah, but for uh, you know, for what people are doing, especially since the pandemic, even on the major networks, uh, he's doing a lot on a shoestring budget, and he really yeah. did change a lot because he, when he was on Fox, like Hannity and Beck, he was very much an opinion guy. But now that he's gone and is running his own thing. He is very much just fact-based and cutting out a lot of the Is opinion. that right? I'm shocked. You would think the reverse would be the case. I'm shocked. Well, huh. because he's talked about it, and he says he can see what the mainstream's doing, and he knows it's all a bunch of hooey. Yeah. For, you know, lack of a better word, you know, lies. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to get a source you can trust, and from what, uh, you know, from what I can gather, he's doing pretty good i mean I, yeah. I wouldn't doubt he's got over a million people now that are paying the 60 to 90 bucks a year whatever it is plus he's on the radio so they run the audio of right. his show on uh, uh whatever i'm not remembering the um station yeah. in new york maybe wnabc or something like yeah. that uh but somebody somebody should aggregate something for O'Reilly and Beck and all these guys and just call it, you know, cance- canceled radio. I mean, all these guys are doing this because they got canceled from mainstream. Right. Somebody should aggregate this as a, a network. That'd be a hit. I yeah. think, you know, right. I mean, everybody thought Beck was nuts when he went out on his own and he is a little nuts, but he seems yes. to be uh, he seems to be doing all right. You know, but he's in that same basket as. Uh, as Alex Jones, you know, our buddy Chris, Sir Seats that are over from Abs and a Six Pack, like so much. Yeah. It's like Alex is like really far on the end, and then Beck's a little bit more in the middle, and then mm-hmm. O'Reilly's kind of sane, but will rant. And, you know, we're somewhere way past Alex Jones, I think, what we do here on Grumpy Old Ben's. But, uh, you know, it's. Well, Alex is fun. I mean, he's the, the first order of really almost all of it is you got to be entertaining, you know. Um, if you think about it, I would think about newscasts and so forth. When I was a kid, um, those guys wouldn't survive anywhere today because they really were just giving facts and the, the audiences have been so trained not to expect that and not to accept that, that there has to be some pyrotechnics and arm waving and whistleblowing to even get their attention. You know, (laughs) and Alex Jones is pretty damn good at that. (laughs) Well, yeah, back in the day, those guys, uh, that were big in the news game, they wore oh. that as a badge of honor that you didn't know. know what their politics were. 
Sure. But even with even without the even without if you extracted any possible political bias out of their evening newscasts, those guys would be sleep therapists today. Really? <laughs> they would. Cronkite, yes. Peter Jennings, uh, whoever the hell the rest of them were, I don't even remember. Huntley Brinkley, uh, uh, who's the other guy that uh, broke off? All of them. I mean, they just basically sat there and and read this stuff. And now there there has to be marching bands and and uh, fireworks and so forth before somebody even looks their way. Really? Yes. And there's not a lot. I mean, there's none that are high up on the food chain that I could name that I would say is a news anchor on any of the major networks or on the major cable networks that isn't completely partisan on either right. side. I mean, Hannity yes. and you know those guys are so far to the right, and then Rachel right. Maddow so far to the left. There, there's really nobody you could point to and say, "Well, we still have you know this guy, and he's you know he's just a right. news guy. He doesn't want to." Sure. It's like that would be who I would trust is to bring yeah. a story, and and we don't have that. Which we don't. We don't. Which I think those guys somewhere along the line. I mean, it started back in probably the 70s or 80s it's various stations i mean all these all these stations they would copy each other i mean you know you know through radio like the z the z morning zoo format right. there's all these sort of formulas that these guys syndicate really and i think the first was uh, as a kid in new york there was a, a station there that was uh, very popular um the abc affiliate uh, owned and operated and they and they started calling it happy news right and for the first time on the evening newscast the local news the staff would kind of screw around they joke around with each other and so forth and this really pissed off some some people like what is this way <laughs> and other people just tuned in in droves because it was a, a welcome respite from the uh the hypnosis they were getting on the other channels you know and so that became a thing and they called it happy news right then somewhere along that line that morphed into what was is, was called infotainment right right and it's and they never looked back since then and i was talking to my kid the other day my my daughter about something i forget what and um somebody had asked her opinion uh, advice on something whatever and then her friend just made a face and i said listen what was it about i think the kid was like do you like these jeans i bought or whatever the hell it was i said listen <laughs> 99% of the time, when somebody asks your opinion for something, they don't want your opinion. They want you to validate their opinion. Right. And that's fact. And, and all of every, every news organization, news org, they, they know this. And so it's become armed camps, right? Of just tune in to the guy that's, here's what, that's going to tell you what you want to hear. So. Well, and it's been so easy to separate that over the last you know, four years, the Trump presidency was the easiest because it was either pro-Trump or anti-Trump. You yeah. know, now it's a little bit different, um, though, you know, they're, it's hard to hate Joe Biden. I mean, I think he's a buffoon and I don't think he knows where he is most of the time. And there's a lot of people that are pulling his strings, I think, that are probably worthy of you hating them. I don't think Joe Biden's that guy anymore. I think he's just an old guy who got himself way in to a situation that uh, is is not good, but a lot of people hated Donald Trump and you could not bring them any bastion of anything that he said was immediately wrong. And you talked about that, I believe on your last show. And I pulled a, uh, uh, a clip, which I'll put into the show notes, which was a, 
you know, a woman talking about all of the stuff, including the uh, ivermectin and the hydroxychloroquine. And there was a doctor, I think, out of uh, Houston where he was using when this all hit was doing the uh, hydroxychloroquine Mm -hmm. and then moved to the ivermectin. And they were showing like where the average hospitals that were, you know, following the CDC and WHO guidelines that like 20 percent of their patients were dying in this guy's hospital. It was like four percent because he was using those drugs. But you saw what happened anytime somebody tried to mention, hey, you know, this uh, ivermectin seems to work. You were silenced. Sure. It's a yeah. I mean, it's it, and you look at. I mean, the the essence of propaganda is not what's said; it's what's left unsaid, right? And if you dig through, you don't have to dig far. You go right to the Johns Hopkins uh, website with their uh, drudge called it the sick clock. I forget what the hell they call it. I think they. Oh, I know they call it the COVID nineteen dashboard. I don't know if it's still up, but it was a couple of weeks ago, and it's a pretty comprehensive uh, page that lists uh, basically every nation in the world what the caseload is and the death count and so forth. And when you look through that, some things just punch you right in the eye. That so many nations, like, for instance, India, has a population four times the size of the U.S., and their COVID deaths have been about half, okay? Um, Same thing for Russia. Then when you get down a little further in the the list, it's just, it's preposterous. It's almost like, come on, can this be real? Vietnam has just under 100 million people. Their total COVID deaths as of two weeks ago was 59, 59, no zeros, just five out of nine. Okay, nobody, not even Tucker, talks about this. Why? Why would that be? Can they not count? Do they like to lie that much? You know, Laos, their their neighbor to the what northwest, um, small country, only a little over seven million people. Total COVID deaths, three. Now, the population of Laos is about the same as New York City. How many do they have? Lots. Yeah. Okay. Good friend of mine was in Mexico, um, you know, a little before the holidays. He got a dose. How you doing? You know, says, hey, you know, I went to the doctor. Guy gave me some of this ivermectin and some, a couple of a cocktail regimen. He says, I felt better in two days. Which seems to be what uh, a vast majority of people who have studied this have found out. Does it work on everybody? No. But no. when you're dealing with what. Uh, you know, a massive pandemic, according to the media. Why would you not want to have those drugs be used and no agenda? The podcast talked about many times. Well, if there is any treatment available, then you cannot have an emergency use vaccine. So this right. uh, this right. may have been the reason why. Sure. Um, you know, I understand when you're getting data out of other countries, you may be going, well, can we believe what Vietnam's saying? Can we believe what Russia is saying? And unfortunately, I mean, again, we're living in the time where we should have the greatest access to information. And we also now have the greatest disinformation because you can't believe the numbers out of any of these countries. So you try to just base this on, you know, countries you can trust. Who's telling us the right thing? Although, you know, people would have probably said you can trust New York. And then we found out after a lot went down (laughs) that they were hiding 
a lot of sure. the deaths because of the way that Cuomo had handled things. So, right. you know, we're still too soon to really understand the fallout from a lot of this stuff. There was just an article that was a peer reviewed thing talking about the, uh, you know, how are the vaccines dangerous as opposed to how dangerous is the virus? And they took data only from Israel. And I went, well, I mean, that's good. That's better than nothing. But Israel, I believe, is a much healthier country than the United States. I mean, I think they still have it where. You know, when you're a kid growing up, you have to go into the military. You know, I don't think they have the obesity issue that we have in the United States. So to try to take just those numbers from one country and say, well, this is what it did here. So this is what it would be in the United States doesn't necessarily go together. You know, you have to at least look a little bit further into it. And of course, the people that are anti-vaccine were pointing out that they found out in this study or at least their conclusion was well as it sits you know we're saving you know three people by doing the vaccinations but we're killing two or whatever it was it was a very (laughs) it was a very close thing but they also mentioned in there which the media is never talking about that well this is also going because the first people hit with the vaccine were the oldest and we believe that this may swing the other way you know, once this equals out, because old people are going to die anyway, even without COVID. So it's like, okay, you're putting this out and it's interesting information, but it's all colored in one way or the other. And it's not cut and dry. And everybody trying to point to something and saying it is cut and dry ends up hurting everybody in the long run. And this is the kind of insanity that keeps people from getting treated with things like ivermectin when they're sick, because it's like, Oh no, we we don't that's that hasn't been approved. It's like but we're giving you know, we're giving vaccines that were still in the experimental phase and uh it, it's really a mess. And it is uh, a mess. It is a, a question. I'm sure you recall probably I'm gonna say 3 or 4 weeks ago uh on no agenda, John and and Adam talked about I think there were supposedly like 3 books coming out from big, big name authors, investigative journalists that they said, we're going to blow this thing wide open that really drilled down deep and rip the facade off and so forth. And we're supposed to make major waves. Um, where are they? Did they, did they, what happened or have they not yet hit the, hit the market? It might I think be were, like all those thousands of sealed indictments that were always promised. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, and, yeah. uh, I mean, I believe that, uh, Fauci is a bad dude. I don't believe yeah. he's as uh, um, as deep into this as some do. But I mean, I could be wrong. I don't have that information. I think he is a political animal that totally. was doing whatever he had to do to be in the spotlight, which yes. is it's not great. If you're looking at somebody for medical advice, I would want them to be more, uh, you know, John McAfee like, which is I'm going to tell you what I think, whether you like it or not. Right. Rather than the Fauci going, well, you know, I wear a mask. Oh, wait, no, don't wear a mask. Oh, wait, wear a mask. No, wait, wait, two, wait, wear two masks. Yes, or three <laughs> or four. And uh, I mean, I, I would love for the smoking gun to appear that puts him in contact with people at that lab. And uh, I just haven't seen it yet. 
Do I believe it's possible? Yes. But I as even with Trump, same thing. It's like I don't want to convict anybody without the information. I mean, I would like to. Sure. But uh, you have to have that proof. You can't just say, well, you know, there was an email that said and right off the bat, that was one of these things that came out with him, which was one of the emails was about, well, gain of function research, which that didn't necessarily mean he knew that was going on. It could have been taken as, well, he was worried that's maybe what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, again, you have to be able to have that nuance, which the media is not giving you nuance anymore. All they're no. going to say, oh, Fauci had an email that said gain of function research. That's proof that he knew what was going on. It's like, well, no, it could have been a question. Again, if, if there is proof, find it. Right. Right. Yeah. It is the uh, the state of the media. There's not much you can do, which is why people listen to podcasts, which is good for you and me and Joe Rogan <laughs> and no agenda, because I think people are looking for a, uh, you know, another voice and another viewpoint. Although I think you're right that a lot of them are, which is why, you know, I'm, this is I'm, I'm bad at marketing for the show because I, I will intentionally let people know what I think, even if I know it's against what they're going to think is right. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm not really worried about, uh, you know, a sponsor. I'm not worried about following right. any oh, particular, uh, you know, set of thinking. And, sure. you know, I talked about that with the vaccine and it's like, well, you know, uh, you know, having all of the data that I had at the time, I was like, well, I think taking the Johnson and Johnson shot was the best for me at that particular sure. time. And of course, you know, took some heat for that, but it's like, well, did you really yeah. get heat for that? Really? I didn't know that. Well, there's huh. what kind of heat did you get? Well, there's a lot of people that listen to grumpy old Ben's. I'm sure definitely in the no agenda community that right. think, you know, taking a vaccine is absolutely ridiculous. And it's like, well, you know, that's fine. I will fight for your right not to take one. Right. And uh, there, there's still a lot of people that don't want to look into again the big picture on this stuff and i don't know mm. the data could all be falsified you know right. again you're you're dealing with the same crews when it comes down to you know the cdc or whatever other groups are putting this information out right. in the united states but there was i think it was just uh, los angeles that their hospital system just put out some data that said since it was like between december 7th and june 7th that of the hospitalizations and deaths from COVID in the Los Angeles hospital system, over 99% of the people that were hospitalized, over 99% of the people that had died were vaccinated. Really? If that is true, that Holy shit. It's, I mean, that's insane. If that's true, you know, it would show that the vaccines work. Now, can the vaccines have other side effects, which may cause you health issues? Sure. And I want that to be investigated, but there's a lot of people that want to just totally ignore the fact that the vaccines may work for what they're supposed to do. Oh, okay, wait. I just, I guess, I think I got your your date inside out. You're telling me that 99 percent of the people lived, or one percent of them were. Just run that by me again. So yes, out of the out of everybody crooked. hospitalized over right. that six month period in Los Angeles, 99 percent of them were unvaccinated. Oh, okay. I got it. So it was kind of showing, well, the vaccines work, that if you have a vaccine, you're not going to be hospitalized. 
you're not going to die from COVID. Okay. I mean, you may still die from something else. Right. But I mean, I think that's some pretty interesting data to look at. I mean, I still doesn't think I, people should be forced to take a vaccine because you should be able to, you know, make your own choice on what you're going to do. Right. Because there are people having bad reactions to the vaccine. But if you're going to do the stats on it, then mm-hmm. give both sides of the story, you know, let, you know, which, again, the mainstream media won't do on anything. I mean, the mainstream yes. media, I'm sure, will cover that story. That's like, oh, the vaccines work. Ninety nine percent of the people that were hospitalized were unvaccinated. They're bad, but they're never going to talk about the people that have the adverse reactions. So. You know, but the question that that I, what I'd like to see in that story is were were they talking about the ninety nine percent of people who were? I mean, that's kind of a to me that seems like a very broad brush. Um, you know, people going to the hospital for any reason, only one percent of them who are unvaccinated die. Um, it, it, I thought the stat would say ninety nine percent of the people who were hospitalized for COVID lived, and they had been vaccinated. Correct. And that would be to me, that would be a powerful statement. Right. But that's what, just, yeah, that if, is what if they was just hospitalized for any reason and lived. And that doesn't mean much. No, it me. was for covid. So, I mean, oh, that, it was OK, which I okay. mean, that is the story that is. I mean, again, you can question okay. the data because I'm not really sure. sure how the hospital put that together. But according right. to the that hospital system that was, well, yeah, if uh, it was under one percent for people that had been vaccinated that wound up being hospitalized under one percent. It was like something crazy, like 0.2 of a percent that mm. died fully vaccinated. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be the story. But then you'll hear that on the mainstream media. I get that for the people that are anti-vax. Then right. they're like, well, OK, that's great. You're gonna, And you should cover that story if that is accurate and you can prove that it's accurate. Right. Cover that on the news. But then also say, but we're also finding out that, you know, four out of 100,000 people are dying after getting this particular vaccine. You know, tell people what's going on on both sides and tell people right, what they the- don't. And again, look at the look at the nomenclature, look at the verbiage that they use that you just use. And you can't help because it's you're drowning in it. You use the phrase anti-vax, right? I'm not anti-vax. I've had a shitload of vaccinations. I'm just not real thrilled about this one. Right. <laughs> right. But that's how they do it. That broad brush. Oh, you don't want this experimental one? Well, you're anti-vax. No, not true. You know, the thing should be anti-Pfizer or whatever, you know, anti-COVID vax, but you'll Correct. never hear it phrased that way. Right. And, you know, I mean, if you are not in a certain age group, if you don't have certain comorbidities, if you know you have access through a doctor or, you know, going down to Mexico right. to get some ivermectin, that if you do get mm-hmm. sick, that it can be treated, then right. th- that's a perfectly fine decision for people to make now we're starting to see things like a you know an artist that i like although i know he's a liberal douchebag springsteen just opened up on broadway and the theater is requiring proof of vaccination to let people in the door yeah and you know it's again this is part of having a free country is as crazy as that may sound to some people but if a particular music artist if a theater if your local you know movie theater chain decides that they're not letting anybody in if they can't prove they've been vaccinated that's their right to do it and then it's everybody else's right to decide whether to do business with them or not nobody's being forced to do anything 
you know, it comes down to like baking the cake for the gay wedding. It's like, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if I'm a baker, I would probably make the cake because I want to make the money. Now, if they're asking you to specifically put something on the cake that's against your religion, then you might want to go. Right. You should go somewhere else. Right. The question, though, still is, though, why is anybody who's been vaccinated worried about anyone who's not been? They shouldn't be. I mean, if you believe no, the data be. right. that we just talked about. What are you worried about? Yeah. I mean, if this is yeah. true, then what you're getting out of, I believe it was L.A., and I'll have the, yeah. the link in the show notes. But if that's true, that right. 99% of the people being hospitalized now were unvaccinated, meaning under right. 1% of the people being hospitalized have been vaccinated, then yeah, if you've been vaccinated, yeah. go out and tongue kiss everybody you want. It's not going to exactly. matter. Exactly. You know, the thing, too, is, uh, you know, hospitals, I, I you know, personally know of a couple of doctors who have become fabulously wealthy. I'm talking millions and millions from the um, pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical graft they've taken over the course of their careers. And those companies are so fucking powerful. They own all the doctors. They and, you know, they probably own most of the hospitals and hospitals have, you know, undergone consolidation. Now there's these these vast uh, uh, corporations that or that that own groups of them. So when when a when a group of hospitals, especially out of a place where the you know, government is corrupt as Los Angeles, it's just mind numbing how sleazy it is here, probably only exceeded by Chicago. Um I got to say, whoa, 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 you know, let me hang on. I'm going to put on my miner's helmet, get my pick ass and my and my tweezers and really figure out what's what's being said here, because I just just right from the source. It's like, nah, <laughs> I have to have to learn more before I'm going to believe that, you know. Well, yeah, that's how all this works, which is, oh, we have a new drug. So if you have a patient with anxiety, maybe you want yeah. them to try, you know, yeah. whatever the new drug is. Yeah, I had a good friend I worked with, Darren, for uh, many years, and um, she, we were in the magazine business together, and then she retired, retired young, very well off, and then was bored, and took another job working at Pfizer, okay, for 10 years she was there, and she was like the assistant to one of the top guys, if not the top, I forget who the hell it was, and she, we would talk on the phone, and she'd say, you know, Every day I think like, should I take this paycheck? Should I quit this job? Why am I doing this? I said, well, what do you mean? You hate the job or what? She goes, no, she goes, these guys, they'll talk at the conference table and I'm, I'm listening and I'm right there about they're coming out with soup, some new drug. They know how many people it's going to kill. They don't give a shit. It's the price of doing business. It's baked into the whole financial scheme of things and they just don't care. Okay, that was that was a long time ago. It was probably you know eight ten years ago. It was going on. Why it's it suddenly changed now because of because of what you know people are sleazy. Oh yeah, and uh, they they just are. And I, I I believe her. I don't believe I don't believe the veterinarian president of uh, of Pfizer. <laughs> I might take my dog to him, but not myself. Um, so I believe what she told me. No, so, I do. I mean, I believe that. You know, is, I mean, there were. Uh... All through the series, The Big Bang Theory, you know, the one uh, character Bernadette worked for a uh, drug company. And that was the joke. You know, it's like they're causing the problems in order to cure it. And, yeah. you know, we need to get these uh, this out in the market before they realize it does X, Y and Z. And they were jokes, which sure, you know, mm -hmm. maybe seem funny until something like that, you know, happens to you or somebody that, you know. And, right. you know, in this case, what you have is, you know, two competing things, which is there are people that are dying from COVID-19. Now, they're mainly older. The people that we knew that had died 
we're older. Right. Uh, sure. Although there was, uh, my mom was recently at a doctor's appointment because of, uh, you know, her cancer issue. And the doctor said he had a uh, brother who was about 40 years old who died from COVID because, uh, you know, like a lot of guys will do, you know, it's like, no, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I sure. don't need to go oh, in. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately for everybody that wants to say this is just the flu, it's a it's little bit, a little bit more harsh for some is. people. Of course it is. Now, no question. some people that it's not, but this is where you now have a drug that's like, well, is it going to save people or, you know, is it better than, is the drug better than the disease? And that's really yeah. a horrible way to look at it. But for everybody that says, you know, you have, well, this drug is going to kill one out of a million people. You know, I have to point out that eating a peanut is going to kill one out of a million people or something like that. True. Yeah. And this is you can't say the drug's bad for everybody. But, yeah, you want to know if you're one of those people that have that type well, of sure. an allergy. Of course. Or you're going to have that type of reaction. And I mean, I think a lot of the, uh, you know, big pharma is there to make money. There's. No question about that. That's uh, that's their number one job, and they make a ton of money. Now, they do put out some medications that save people's lives. There's also no absolutely question about that. But, yeah, you don't want like, hey, we're giving you this uh, erectile dysfunction medication, and, you know, it's going to kill one out of 40. But, don't, <laughs> but don't, you'll die happy. Yeah, right. Exactly. You're going to die yeah. a very happy man. And, uh, you know, there is. Uh, there's no easy answer to all of that stuff when you're dealing no. with, uh, you know, big pharma and when you're dealing, it's like, okay, that's, it's a necessary evil. I certainly wouldn't want to wipe big pharma off the earth because then a lot of people who need the medications sure. will die. Although, you know, with, uh, you know, Joe Biden, now the insulin's going way up again and, uh, yes. You know, that yes, should be criminal. And yeah, and we have should... pens and uh-huh. sure, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, I mean, it's, you're talking again, uh, the tentacles of, of them. And uh, it's, it's like the airline business, really big pharma and the airline business and probably others I'm overlooking have basically merged with the United States government. Really? You know, um, that's that's what's going on. The, re- the regulatory stuff is kind of a joke. Yes. At this point. Um, when, when the airlines, um, when the FAA makes regulations, um, it's to fuck the passengers. It's never about the, the airlines cause they're really kind of one thing. They work together. Um, and I imagine it probably, it's the same way it goes with uh, big pharma and you know, these guys have just gotten too powerful. They have too many lobbyists in DC making too much money, stroking too many dicks. And here we are. Ryan says, I'm a sellout. And a shill for saying I wouldn't want to wipe Big Pharma off the earth. I'm going to have you doing boner <laughs> pill ads in a week, Bemrose. You watch. Blue Chew. Uh, Ryan, baby. <laughs> right. Right. You get in. You get the, uh, you make the big, big uh, Pfizer money. And that's, yeah. uh, you do. But, uh, you know, podcast marketing is not easy. I mean, it's, no. it's a really horrible uh segue but i mean you put up a billboard what's that all about i did um you know i uh, <laughs> when uh, i had a couple of uh in the past couple of years a couple of uh transcontinental transcontinental drives with uh with the family which is a lot of fun great stuff and i noticed at that time so many blank you know 
barefaced billboards around the country. And I get my, my show gets a lot of, um, a lot of listeners from truckers and I get a lot of emails from these guys. And it seems that, um, truckers these days aren't so much on the CB or listening to terrestrial radio. They're listening to podcasts. And I thought, what the hell? I'll, uh, I found one of these things was, you know, really kind of cheap because nobody's buying a lot of them these days or renting them, I should say. Right. So I said, yeah, I'll throw a few bucks at this. And, um, and I did. And, um, you know, I'm, it's getting some play. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, my, my show hasn't blown up as a result of it. But I give it a try for a couple months and see, um, you know, if it rings a bell. And um, it's kind of fun. So there it is. Out in Sayre, Oklahoma, uh, of, on the westbound I-40. And kind of a fun, fun idea. Well, it is. It's, well, it's unique. It's the first time I've heard of a podcaster getting a billboard. Exactly. Yeah. And Maybe the last as well. we'll see. <laughs> it all depends yeah. on if it were. Well, the, a lot of these billboards now are electronic. So yes, the digital. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper to uh, change. What, I mean, it's a much more expensive board, I'm sure, to put up. Oh, yeah. But, but once they are, it's a lot cheaper to, you know, change what is uh, what is being sure. displayed. Sure. But. You know, podcast marketing is is one of those things. And I heard you talk about it. And we're the same way where it's like, well, we just do the show. You know, we're yeah. very, you know, we're very yeah, I suck at it. You know, if I was great at it, you know, <laughs> well, and, and uh, you've tried the doing ads on things like Facebook and uh, and, and I really- did. A, yeah, just a couple. I, I did that early on. Just a few. I mean, I, I probably spent less than 100 bucks really on Facebook, but that that did absolutely nothing. I mean, it was plus they I found them so, so infuriating. I remember the first time I tried it. It was right around this time of year, about three years ago, I think maybe four years ago. It was called Larry's Dangerous Summer was the episode way back early and you know, maybe episode 26 or something like that. And the 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 um, the thumbnail was me on a beach, you know, of course, gimmicked the great body. And with a, with a surfboard under one arm that was emblazoned with the take no shit logo. And then beside me was this absolutely stunning girl, you know, also photoshopped into the image. Um, and you know, she was wearing a bikini. Okay. When I wanted to advertise that, that was kicked out by the Facebook uh, censors. Really? That was too, really? Uh, that was too risky? Yeah. Too risque. And I mean, you can find any variety of porn and hookers. I mean, this, you know, it's just, I just despise that company. I hate Zuckerberg. Um, so anyway, you know, I, I had, I reran it and I slapped a banner over her <laughs> saying, you know, don't, don't peek under here. Well, I forget where the hell it was and got it by them anyway. And it, you know, but it still, it did, did me no good whatsoever. None. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing. And you mentioned just yeah. going on other shows. That seems to be the the best way is, it is to be on a show that has a larger reach or a different reach from a different audience yes than yours and you hope that uh, your appearance on that show makes people go oh well i'll go i'll go check that right. other show out right. and uh you know which it's uh not the most uh, efficient marketing method to use but i think it's the most fun yeah because you, know, you get to talk to different people you get different ideas and, uh, you know, there's a lot of well, different shows. What happened for, um, for, I mean, Adam's already got a massive audience, but his, his, uh, Rogan appearance, did that, um, um, oh, fall he, up for him or what? Yeah. I mean, there was definitely, although, I mean, there was also a big jump, I think just because of COVID 
but yeah. there's always hard with a podcast to know where your listeners are coming from. That's the other big thing. If you're doing yes. multiple ads at one time, you know, if they're if they're subscribing to your show, I mean, they can follow a link and you could see, you know, maybe how many people saw the ad, but it's mm-hmm. hard to know how many people that are subscribing are actually because of any particular thing that you right. did. And it's interesting just following, you know, I mainly look at what is going on on the app podcast addict because they show you how many subscribers to your show they have from within just their app. I mean, there's tons yes. of apps, but that's one of the larger ones. Apple will give you that same kind of information. And I just kind of look at a couple different ones to see if they're going up or if they're stagnant or whatever. And that's about the best that you can come down with. But yeah. no agenda is a little different because they don't care about how many people are listening or downloading. They care about how many people are donating. And there right. have been a decent amount of people in the notes for their donations that said, hey, I heard you on Rogan's show. Right. And there's enough of those that, you know, those appearances definitely brought a lot of people into the show that maybe haven't heard it or sure. could have been listeners and then stopped because the show has been around God, I mean, 13 years. Yeah. I mean, a podcast going on for 13 years is kind of insane, especially at this point, yeah. because, I mean, that was one of the, uh, you know. It's one of the longer running shows. I mean, yeah, Rogan. And that has- really that speaks to the to the listenability. You know how how great uh, Adam's show is. I think because is Rogan is all advertiser supported. Right? Yes, is it not? Yeah. So to so to to call out from his pool people who suddenly adopt the you know the listening model of donating you know from a show like that is really that says a lot. You know, and they did notice, though, on one of the uh, on the last episode, because they do meetups, which is also really cool when your audience is large enough. Yes. That people can get meetups together and right. you get, you know, 10, 20, 50 people, whatever it is, getting together in a location. But they noticed on one of the last ones that almost everybody was like, yeah, I'm a douchebag, which is no agenda shorthand for I've never donated. Right. And Adam's like, you know, hey, <laughs> what's what, you know, right. help us out here. This is how yeah. the show works and it's i mean i'm sure you feel the same way it's a sure it's a tightrope walking thing where it's like yeah we're doing the shows for fun we enjoy doing this i enjoy talking to you i mean pembroke's a little less i enjoy talking to you but you know still (laughs) we're we're doing the shows and you need the support to keep those shows going and it it feels very much like you're the guy out on the road holding the sign you know like we'll work for talking you know whatever you want to put on your sign (laughs) but uh, john c dvorak of no agenda has made that clear a lot that it's like that's what you need to do that is you know there's some interesting content in the newsletter that john puts together before the day before every no agenda but a vast majority of the existence of this is to remind people we need your support don't know because if you don't ask you don't get it right that's true and it seems like that's a simple part but if you don't ask people forget and this also comes down it's a really strange world we're living in now because you and i are both old enough that you know when we were you know younger and you wanted to uh you know listen to music from your favorite band you bought an album or a cd 
If you really liked that movie or that television show and you wanted to watch it repeatedly, you'd go buy a DVD or, God forbid, VHS. Yep. Now, with everything being streaming, mm-hmm. people, yes, Bemrose cassette tapes, people now <laughs> have this, this concept that everything should just be free and should yes. just come right into, you know, DigiGuru says, uh, tell Larry, well, tell fucking Larry for me that I absolutely love his podcast. Well, Digi, you could tell you. him. You could Thank tell you, him Digi. direct by subscribing over yes. that LarryShow.com, the Patreon. There you go. That's how you, you show love, Digi Guru. <laughs> well, you know what's fascinating, though. You're right. Um, there's a there's a you know a huge strata of of audiences that do expect everything to, to be free. You know, you just turn that spigot, and there's your content. However, among them is also I would you know I'd love to know the if they could generate a stat on it. I don't know. Um, look how many people, myself included, every month you know, fork over for um, Netflix or Amazon Prime. And I don't even get HBO or whatever, but a lot of people do. And they never give it a thought. It's just an automatic, like the gas or electric electric bill. You know, there it is. They'll pay for that content because it comes out of what? Something that's considered to be hyper-professional. I don't know what it is. I know I, I ha- years ago I had HBO and I, I thought this sucks. I, I watched it like <laughs> once a month. There was something on there I actually wanted to see. I pulled the plug. I was done. Right. You know, um, Netflix, I get once in a while, look at some things, um, but I don't spend a lot of time with that, but I'm still paying for it. I'm not sure why. Well, see, so. that's the question. And this has been one of the big podcasting arguments lately when it comes to what Adam Curry and Dave Jones are doing with podcasting yes. 2.0 and right. the value tag and people being able to you know, send value back automatically every minute they listen or being able to mm-hmm. send boosts. You yep. know, their concept is that the subscription model is the one that's no good. Because as you said, you're subscribing to Netflix. You forget you even have it for a few months, but you're still paying it. Right. You know, their concept is, well, but as people are listening, they're more engaged and more likely to give you cash right then and there because they're enjoying the content rather than the subscription model. I like it as far as an idea and a concept. And I wish that that was the way the majority of people thought, but I think a lot are still stuck in that concept, (coughs) excuse me, of doing the subscription. Mm -hmm. And even though they might forget it, that you're still getting your five or 10 bucks a month coming in, even if they're not listening and it's not like, well, you want money from people that aren't listening, but right. you want to uh, try to maximize what you're bringing in. And there, there's no easy answer to that. Is podcast 2.0 fully, 2.0 fully operational now? I mean, or it's, it's it getting there now when it comes there. down okay. to the value tag. That is one where there's still there's still some bumps being worked out. Mm-hmm. There's still no easy go to this app and, you know, connect a, uh, you know, a credit card to it or something like that to where the payment automatically happens. There's still a little bit of an extra step of, well, you need to go get, you know, some Bitcoin and then move it to this wallet and then connect this wallet to this. And for most people, I mean, (laughs) the non Ben's in the audience, you know, like you, you're going, I'll I'll, I'll wait, (laughs) you know, I'll (laughs) wait for that too. Uh, Yeah. When it's two clicks, I'll be able to handle it, but. (laughs) <laughs> well, and because there's still the ability, as long as you're willing to 
get a P.O. box, which you have, we have, No Agenda has. This allows for still the number one way to transfer funds right now, and that is using your bank and the online bill pay, because Mm -hmm. you don't have to pay for a stamp. You don't have to pay for an envelope. You can have it set up to do it every week, every month, whatever you want, or a one-time. And when the podcaster gets the check, it just goes right into their bank. And if you sent a dollar, they get a dollar. If you send a dollar through Patreon or a dollar through PayPal, you're not getting a dollar. There's money being taken out. Same thing. You know, as of right now, they're working on getting these fees down. But podcasting 2.0 is still the same thing because you're dealing with the crypto. Every time you do a transaction, there's money being funneled off. Sure. And it's not a lot, but it is. So for the smaller donations, it's like the oddly enough, the thing that makes the most sense still is send a check. If you want to do that three dollars and thirty three cents a month, send a check. And if every if you, a lot of people think that, oh, well, that's not enough. I mean, they're, they're going to think I'm cheap or I'm not like, no, you don't get it. If a instead of one percent of the people doing the donation route and ninety nine percent of the people not. I mean, that's fine. That's great. We appreciate everybody that helps support our shows. But if 50% of the people would do it and just send $3 and 33 cents a month or whatever it is, that would vastly increase what shows are bringing in the, the low amounts. I mean, they don't seem, you know, sexy. They don't seem like, Oh, they're not going to read the notes. Although we're still reading every note. You know, it doesn't matter if you send in 50 Mm -hmm. cents. Um, You know, we we're, we're we're still at that level. But it, it shows that, uh, True. you know, that you don't need a huge audience, but you need an engaged audience, which we are always glad right. that we have. And it seems like you do as well. You're, you're always doing emails with people asking for advice. And, uh, you know, that's that's yes, great. I've ruined I've ruined hundreds of lives with my <laughs> advice at this point. Give me a good tally. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have like a scoreboard in the, uh, in the office? <laughs> I have lawsuits backed up. Nice. <laughs> Look what he told me to do. No. <laughs> uh, right. There's, there's a didn't you read the disclaimer at the end of every That's email right. that we send? Yeah, I'm just some guy, you know, so <laughs> make no claims. Um um, yep. Yeah, I've heard you say mention, mention several times in your show, Darren, and it's also, you know, great for even if those who don't, um, uh, participate financially in supporting the show, what, what people can do that really helps a ton is like, please spread the word. You know, if you hear an episode, you like grab the link and uh, text it or emailed, email it to 10 of your friends. You know, that's, that's how these things really get rolling. And that's the type of support that, uh, we love to get. You know, yes, just to spread it around. Um, yeah. Do you use Google Analytics? Um, I think I still have an account that are probably still okay. attached to the websites, but I haven't looked at it in yeah. in years and probably should uh, and should probably disconnect that if it's still there. But uh, really, because Carl over at WATP suggested I, I do that and I've not gotten around. to it. It's probably too daunting technically for me, but because um, um, sometimes I will see these anom- anom- anomalies um, in my downloads where, you know, there's this tremendous spike and I'm like, well, where the hell did that come from? You know, and I've never been able to figure it out. Did, you know, did somebody pick up an episode and put it on a website or whatever? Um, and Carl said, I might be able to track that. It will. Yeah, it will definitely analytics. show you some of what your incoming links are. 
I mean, Carl is one of those guys because he's in the marketing business, right? That he can't just go screw Google, which everybody in the troll room is doing right now. Which yes. is gotta screw oh, Google. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they do have their uses, and if they want to look at the traffic coming into that LarryShow.com or GrumpyOldBenz.com, I mean, what's that? You know, it, it, there's they're yeah. giving you some information that may be helpful as right. uh, as bad as Google can be in a whole lot of ways. Right. But I mean, that's the one nice thing would be, oh, let's see. Oh, uh, you know, Scott Adams uh, tweeted about that Larry show. And that's where your you know right. 20,000 links came in. It right. would be nice to be able to track that kind of stuff down if there was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if there was a reason for a massive influx all at one time. But I mean, you're absolutely right. The best thing people can do is promote the show just by telling people about it. Because if yes. you're going to go by the route that 99% of the people aren't going to donate for whatever reason, then, you know, hey, if you can help out in some other way and No Agenda is a podcast that, you know, we're just basically trying to steal their, uh, you know, the concept when it comes to producers doing things like the album art all sorts of different jingles, all sorts of cool stuff. I mean, the the opening song that we have for this show is John Fletcher from the Hog Story show, hogstory.com. Ex- excellent show. Yeah, I, I heard, well, that was fun to hear you on Hog Story. Oh, it was fun to do it. I had a blast with, with uh, John and Carolyn. Yeah. Even though you found out John has no bandwidth, which <laughs> which happy. He's moving, though. Uh, hopefully the new house now. Oh, good. We'll have, we'll have better bandwidth. Good. But uh, it was fun listening to you guys talking about music and although before we before we get into that we did have a couple of people that uh, left a voicemail question for you and i mean oh boy since we're talking about john fletcher uh, let me uh let me play this one okay and uh here it is larry larry (laughs) fucking larry when are you moving to texas that's what i want to know we need more take no shitters like you as opposed to uh, the idiots that are moving here from California. Yeah. Oh, and hi, Darren. Hi. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Fletcher. Come on down. I'll buy you a beer, buddy. Yeah, so Fletcher wants you to move to Texas. Uh, you know, it uh, wouldn't take much. I just, you know, the thing is, I, I get that a lot, and um, I got to get the hell out of here. But the problem is, you know, once you have kids, uh, they become the tail that wags the dog, you know. And uh, it's just not that, you know, I I could move anywhere I want to move, but um, I don't want to be three to three thousand miles from my kids. Right. So uh, I don't know how that's all going to shake out, but certainly, you know, California or the big cities of of, uh, California are utterly just trashed and I don't see them getting any better anytime soon so yeah i I, I love texas i mean um parts of it i'm not too crazy about um, dallas houston the big cities but the smaller places and the and the part that i really love and some people go oh you're already the fuck is the matter thing what do do i love the panhandle man those those plains i mean there there are parts of texas you drive across those plains and you look out and it's like looking out at the ocean it just could not be any more flat and vast of nothing and i get a charge out of that i really do yeah and the attitude in texas is and the attitude oh yeah it's definitely yeah. better than than california oh. oh when we drove cross country at the height of uh lockdowns you know and i'm sure we were violating multiple laws when we did that because everywhere we went it said you know if you have you have to quarantine for whatever it's all this quarantine bullshit at the desks at motels and so forth and 
you know, you, you drive into Arizona and people are like, yeah, you know, we don't really give a shit about these masks or this or that. And then you get into, you cross the border into New Mexico and there's a, you know, a sign on the side of the road that's 40 feet high screaming, mask up, it's the law, you know. <laughs> And everybody was so crazy about it. And then you, you you get in Texas and you walk in a restaurant and they go, what the hell you got that mask on for? Take that thing off. We don't do that shit around here. It's like, wow. Right. <laughs> it was a blast. And pretty much in Oklahoma, they didn't give a rat's ass. You know, and then as you ease on into the uh, into the eastern seaboard, it was paranoia once again. It was crazy. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of variety. And that's, that's what's so beautiful about America. And I, I, I pray that never goes away is the uh, the choice that we do have into uh, where we want to live and what the mindset of the people are. In oh, and they're, places. yeah, drastically just uh, different mindsets. And then there are some people that are finally getting more sane to where even it's like, well, the law is you have to, you know, you have to be a masked up if you yeah. haven't been vaccinated. And it's like the Beavis and Butthead episode where it's like, you've been vaccinated. And the guy's like, no. And they're like, have you been vaccinated? No. Have you been vaccinated? Yes. Okay. You don't have to worry about the mask then. You right. told me that you haven't. See, that's all. That's all. Yeah. You just need to say the right thing. Nobody's checking, Um. you know, which was kind of interesting again with the Springsteen on Broadway thing. There was an exception for children 16 and under. And I'm like, so yeah. what's that about? Yeah. How is that protecting? <laughs> if you really yeah. think you're protecting people by saying everybody that's has so to be insane. vaccinated, then why have any exception? Did Bruce drive out on the stage drunk in a Jeep? That's what I want to know. <laughs> no, I think he uh, he learned better, although, uh, yeah. you know, and it was on a bike when I think we may have talked about that when it happened, but it's like he was on a motorcycle. So yes, there's only was. so drunk you can be on a motorcycle and live. He was. You know? He was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I did an episode on, on that. I thought it was so amusing, you know. And the funny thing is, you know, that guy, it's people of a certain, I guess, political bent and, uh, um, you know, caliber of fame, which is hard to top his, um, they're basically bulletproof. You know, that, that little picadillo would have sunk most careers really. Yeah. Not him. You know, there he is back on Broadway doing his thing. And he's a great songwriter. Pretty good and, he, and he's old enough. So, I mean, there's, there's enough. that now, uh, yeah. you know, and I, we may have talked about this too. I loved when he started the Broadway run initially a few years ago, way before COVID, mm-hmm. when a big part of the shtick, and I think he's still doing it, is there's a big part of the show which he admits, I've spent my whole life and made millions of dollars singing about a blue collar life that I never lived. I never yeah. had a real job. You know, this is, um, right. you know, and that's uh, it, it's a, I'm kind of gutsy to say that, but it's also, you know, the, the disappointing thing is, and I don't mind anybody being conservative or liberal but bruce is another guy that came from very humble beginnings and has made millions of dollars fame and fortune but is still going to rail against the system that allowed him to succeed and i i don't get that i don't understand that i don't understand why people aren't more like well okay there are people that need a hand there are people that need assistance in one shape or form and i think they should get that but for a vast majority of the people work your ass off and make your own way that's what made america a great country i think and i don't i don't know where bruce quite falls on that i haven't i haven't been able to even start listening to 
the no. Springsteen and Obama podcast. I mean, there are certain things I can handle that I might be a little uh, a little too infuriated. Maybe I should uh, make Ryan do that as part of his. Uh, <laughs> Boy, you really get it for Ryan. <laughs> Poor guy sweltering. What is, I like. I love that phrase, by the way. It's, it's a great catchphrase, sweltering in place. It's, yeah. I like that. Very good. So by Friday, Ryan, can you like binge listen to the uh, Obama and Springsteen podcast, please? And, uh, and pull out some clips and let us know what it was all about. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the thing with guys like that, it's I always find amusing is, I mean, I don't know what what Bruce's net worth is. I would guess it's probably in the hundreds of millions, probably over five hundred million. I would get. I could be way wrong. I think it's safe to assume it's at least a hundred million, right? And so many celebrities like that who have been enriched beyond you know the average guy's wildest dreams by this particular system this economic system they they want to trash it and go to you know socialism con whatever the hell it is i would say to bruce hey listen bro you got 100 million bucks you're 70 what is he what how old is he darren mid 70s at least i think mid 70s let's call him 75 same as mcafee you're 75 years old um you know let's let's say you're you're in really great shape you got another quarter century to go in you right you'll you'll hit three figures do you think bruce you could get by on say 25 million until you croak you'd live pretty good yeah sure any, anybody can right then break off the rest of it and equally distribute it right he's 71 so i mean maybe it's a couple okay. extra years all right so you but they never do that they never ever do that no give up their money no that no, no. It's your money. It's only the crazy rich people like, you know, Bezos. That's who you guys want to go after. Exactly. I don't get it. I don't get it. But uh, I mean, I did like hearing uh, you and Fletcher talk about music because that was an interesting thing that you neither one of you talk about much. And uh, you said you were in a country band. I mean, I know Bemrose loves country. Oh, yeah. We we had I had a a band uh, out of college a couple of years called the Cadillac Cowboys. And uh, it was myself, and uh, it was kind of like, uh, you know, not, I won't say sound and certainly not success-wise, but an Eagles kind of arrangement. It was just myself and this guy, uh, Pete, who somebody, somebody one night at the hockey talk we played, he goes, are you the Cadillac Cowboys? He looks at me and goes, who the fuck are you, Pontiac Pete? <laughs> 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 and it stuck, you know? And so forever, you know, he was for, from then on, he was Pontiac Pete. And he was actually a much better musician. I don't, I don't even call myself a musician, but he's a much better guitar player than I am. And he had a, a great, fantastic, ear for harmony you know he could just pick it pick up anything and what he did was he made me really sound great a lot better than i am and so he would he would lay in these terrific harmonies and fills on his on his uh guitar and so forth and i was kind of the big mouth front guy and uh it was a great experience man absolutely loved it i mean think of all of i've done a lot of things along the road and um but my two favorites were definitely the band and this so well because you could have yeah. fun with them. I mean, yeah. as long as you're not taking either one of them too seriously, because I've worked for a few different artists in the country industry and it was like, wow, this industry is a cesspool beyond. I think it, I think it may oh, sure. be worse than Big Pharma. At least yeah. it was back in the 80s and 90s. Yes. You know, and just, you, you were you ran like digital promotion for someone, right? For, for yeah, I ran uh, the uh, website for Martina McBride for years okay. and then ran Shelley Wright's fan club for a short mm-hmm. period of time. And a, a Canadian artist, Carolyn Dawn Johnson, I actually set up her fan club 
and it was about a year in or so that her management thought having a fan club was a bad idea, which I can't. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's a bad idea. How, what? I'm, I'm curious. What was the rationale? What's bad about that? I don't know. I, I can never quite <laughs> figure it out because this was a concept again. And she's, uh, you know, was a hell of a songwriter, was a pretty yeah. decent singer. And I think could have embraced this whole value for value thing, which mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not exactly the same thing, but when you had people paying, you know, like 20 bucks a year, whatever it was for a fan club, which I mean, if we're going to put that into today's money, this would be people paying, you know, 40 or 50 bucks a year to be a part of the fan club. And there were a couple of thousand people that were, you know, do, that were doing it. And that was just nice. within the first year. And I'm thinking, you know, now she hasn't really been releasing anything. You could be recording one CD at your house every year and sending that out or even digitally now and making enough money to make it worthwhile because you don't need, you know, the music industry is completely different. There aren't anywhere near as many multi-million sellers like Taylor Swift. There's not a whole lot of artists that pop out now. And sell a ton. There's a lot of really good artists who are barely treading water. But, you know, if you manage yourself right, you could definitely do that. And I don't know why. All I know was that uh, woke up one day and the bank account had been drained. And they're like, yeah, we're deciding to, you know, to shut the fan club down. And it's like, wow, that's was a little bizarre. Yeah. But as I said, that was uh, an industry where uh, nothing really surprised me i mean i was with uh doing work for shelly wright when the whole you know before she came out as a lesbian and there was just a whole lot of you know crazy stuff because she had been you know dating brad paisley and there was a big fight and you know the the guy that ran her fan club was like oh he was worse than any stalker and you know allegedly i guess i should say this is all hearsay but uh the the, just the whole concept of everything that went on behind the scenes there was a yeah. there was a song that she had out which was called uh, bumper of my suv which was a very rah-rah military thing mm-hmm. and you know maybe she had nothing to do with it but it seemed like the the guy that ran the fan club was telling people to go out and request that song at radio because country then i don't know if it is still now but radio play was everything you know before everything. the internet sure everything that, that's where you were making your money is the song would have to be played on radio and somebody told the fans like, well, yeah, and, you know, mention that you have, you know, a brother or a father or uncle in the military, you know, even if you don't. And that that was a scandal to, to, to you know, to try to be using that. Yeah, and, not um, smart. you know, but yeah. it was I mean, the music business overall, I'm sure the country business is no different than the rest of the music yeah. business. It's just a cutthroat thing. And uh, you know, oh, it was. We we never I mean we never got to anywhere near that point with anybody offering us a record contract. I mean we had a couple of close brushes I'd say, um, but just doing it was such a blast. You know, uh, we, the, the guys we was like I said the band was really just Pete and I, and then we have all these guys would sit in with us, um, and some of them were great musicians. I mean at that <laughs> I remember at that time thinking, uh, you know, I really loved it. I, I wanted to make a go of it, but. Uh, you know, for for a time, for months, our drummer had just come off tour. He was had been uh, Olivia Newton John's drummer, you know, on tour. I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? <laughs> with you know, he's you know, he just he was a world class act, and now he's in this place making thirty bucks a night with us. <laughs> I'm, I maybe I should rethink this music thing, you know. 
Um, we had a pedal steel guy from, who played for Asleep at the Wheel. I mean, we, we had all these you know, pretty damn good musicians uh, would back us up at various times. And I'm thinking, what? why are they here? You know? Because <laughs> they never made enough money. That is... Yeah. You know, yeah, it was crazy. Well, One night we, we we went to see um, Whalen and Willie at the uh, Nassau Coliseum, and they were touring together. Whalen, God, all, they're almost all dead. Whalen's gone. Yeah, Willie's really up there. But uh, it was it was one of the biggest kicks for us. We we walk into the Coliseum, which is a big venue. It's I think nineteen twenty thousand, and uh, we get just not even halfway to our tour seats. <laughs> Some chick stop us and go, aren't you the Cadillac Cowboys? Can we can we have your autograph? I'm like, hey, Pontiac Pete, this, maybe we should stick with this shit, man. This is, this is working out pretty good. Yeah, once you start getting groupies, that's the whole, that's yeah. the whole plan, right? <laughs> exactly. No yeah. different in country or rock and roll. Yeah. But yeah. That, that's still what most people don't realize about the music business as a whole is that uh, the people that get rich are the songwriters, not... Yes. In country music, especially, that's not usually the person singing the song. Right, right. You know, they make their money touring, which, of mm-hmm. course, over the last couple of years has been rough. Um, but all that radio play all goes to the songwriters. So it doesn't matter who's covering the song. If somebody yeah. covers a song and it's played on the radio, every time you hear a song on the radio, you know, if it's Garth Brooks singing, if he didn't write the song, he's not getting paid for that being played on the radio. But the songwriter is. Right. And I, I mean, I know I've mentioned it in a few different uh, episodes, but I, I, it stuck with me. A yeah. interview with uh, Chris Christopherson, which was maybe five or 10 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 15. But it was more recently that somebody asked him the question, you know, so what does a song like uh, help me make it through the night mean to you today? And without missing a beat, Chris Christopherson said about 100 grand yeah, a year. Still just yeah, bringing in sure. 100 grand. Just. Yeah, it's, it's Wait, good. That's why these guys are. St- their financial situations are so resilient. I mean, think of Elton John was flat broke. He's bankrupt, right? I don't think he's anymore. He got over that in about a year. Willie Nelson, same thing. He was busted. Boom. They all come back very quickly. And Bob Dylan, though, just sold his catalog, which was... Did he? I didn't yeah. know that. Although he's like 80 now. So, I mean, again, this yeah. may be a case of, this is like buying the reverse mortgage on your house. You're like, yeah. you know, I need the money. Um, you know, you don't have that many How much did he get for it? I thought it was like 300 and something million. I mean, it was pretty oh, big. Shit. And who bought it? Some conglomerate or something? Or? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, not, it's not like the good old days when uh, when Michael Jackson laughed and told Paul McCartney he had just purchased the Beatles catalog. <laughs> some years ago, I was doing some uh, work uh, producing stuff for a boxer in L.A., prize fighter. He was very famous. And uh, interesting factoid, Bob Dylan is one of the world's most... Uh, Serious boxing fans, if you could believe that. I can see that. He is, and he owns a a private gym um, somewhere. I don't know where the hell it is, in Santa Monica or someplace, or he did back then, where only people who are those in the know and get a key from Bob can go and spar and work out and everything. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) I believe it. I mean, hey, when you have that kind of cash, you can have your own pet projects. and uh, Yeah. You do what you love. I mean, that's the whole concept of having that kind of money, which isn't it, though, which is why everybody, I think that, you know, got the John McAfee thing. We're like, yeah, that's that's what everybody wants to do is make a ton of money and then just go do whatever the hell you want. Absolutely. And be left alone. Most of the time Be left alone. alone. (laughs) Yeah, It's about the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. But we had this was another voicemail. I didn't quite understand this one. 
but I will, okay. uh, I'll play this one here. Hi, Larry. I wanted to know about your process for licensing the clip in your intro from time of the season. <laughs> that is my question. How did you go about that? Oh, this is Alex, by the way. Um, that's all. Thank you, Larry, for everything. <laughs> Yeah, something about licensing something in your intro. I didn't um, quite understand that. Um, I, I, I didn't I either. Know. I was like, I it's if, there's, if, if Alex, if there's more to that, yeah. reach out to Larry and, and let him know. Because, I mean, your intro is my, just stuff you put hot. together that. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was actually, I think, a, a cover from somebody else doing that. Um, wasn't the original zombies. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know exactly what she was driving at. But thanks for the voicemail. And we did have one more from oh, uh, Tom okay. Starkweather, otherwise known as uh, Melodious Owls, another New York guy. <laughs> Hello. This question is for Larry from Tom Starkweather in uh, Ridgewood, New York. Uh, I wanted to know, was there ever a time where you had to take no shit on the New York City subway? Would really love to hear that story. Thanks, Larry. Ooh, subway adventures. I mean, subway adventures. If you lived in well, New York, he, you have to have a few. Uh, I was going to, you know, the funny thing he mentions take uh, mentions Ridgewood because there's a lot of places called Ridgewood. There was probably a thousand Ridgewoods around the country, but Ridgewood, Queens, which has got to be what he's talking about. I used to live uh, very close to there. Um, gee whiz, I could k- take no shot. You know, usually in, on riding subways, uh, if it was, uh, if it was. Uh, rush hour i was just in in such a uh i basically try to shut off my brain <laughs> because it was so it was so unpleasant it was like let me see if i can astrally project my 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 mind to another uh, another location that's more pleasant than this it was really hideous and then if it was off hours um when it was empty uh, i was so uh terrified i was basically in the same place um so i don't um I don't remember any, uh, I remember as a kid one time and it really wasn't a take no shit moment. It was just get the fuck out of here. I was heading down into the subway. I was very young, maybe uh, 17, something like that. In pretty good shape. And the stair, you know, to get into the New York city subway, you usually have to go down at least two flights of stairs. You know, you'll go down, you know, like a dozen steps and then it'll be a turn. You go down to really get into the bowels of the earth, which is where it belongs. Right. And as I, I went down the first flight and there was no one there and I turned and then there's the second flight, I find myself in a, uh, you know, a pincer position and there's a couple of assholes on either side of me. Right. And one of them, I can see, and he's got a pretty good sized knife, you know, <laughs> so shit, it's on, you know? And, um, I basically, like, cause I was like, you know, 17 and 155 pounds of sinew. I just kind of grabbed the, the rail in the center and took the entire flight of stairs in one fucking leap, like some superhero and booked, you know, like a track star down a, down that platform. And I can remember <laughs> one of those guys saying, holy fucking shit. <laughs> I think my my athleticism so dumbfounded them. They decided not to give chase. Hey, criminals don't want to do the work. They're not going to chase you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just out of there. Like again, I should have had a fucking cape on. 
Um, <laughs> I couldn't do that today, that's for sure. But um, that was, uh, like I said, not a take no shit moment, but a, certainly a, a subway adventure. Yeah. yeah. The only time I was on the uh, the New York subway was uh, going to Yankee Stadium for Tom Seaver's what was ended up being his 300th win back in August of 1985, I believe that was. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had been on the L in Chicago, but there was it was a little bit more hardcore in the new in New York. We went from uh, from Grand Central Station out to the Bronx and. Uh, it was an interesting ride. I mean, it wasn't the worst. I mean, I didn't feel like, uh, you know, our, our lives were in imminent danger or anything. Although sure. today you probably would be either on that or here in Chicago on the on the L. But, uh, you know, yeah. it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting experience, especially being in Yankee Stadium where the fans are a little different oh, man. than yeah. they were in Chicago. Although it was it was a weird day in uh, in Yankee Stadium, which I remember it was Phil Rizzuto Day. A oh, Yankee boy. legend, no question Phil about the scooter, it. The scooter, the scooter, Rizzuto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know Tom Seaver, of course, was a member of that. You know the '69 Mets, big, big person for the the New York Mets fans. So you know yeah. we had come all the way from Chicago, but Yankee Stadium was kind of fifty uh, fifty between Yankee fans and Mets fans. Oh, and uh, well, that's always fun. Just like here for the Cubs and Sox games, that yeah. uh, you know there's there's always fights <laughs> and. Uh, uh in the last i think it was the the cub game this year there was a fight in the bleacher i mean we haven't been going to the Sox games but it actually made the national news at least uh you know because it went viral and it was the women fighting in the bleachers as the guys were just kind of look it's like yeah that's that's about right for the uh, for a Sox crowd but i mean i remember that day in yankee stadium that you know when siever came out they were booing them but by the seventh or eighth inning, and he went all nine, something most pitchers don't do now because MLB sucks. But by the end of the game, the whole uh, the whole stadium was cheering him on, which I thought was an interesting. Uh, really? Even I'm Yankee shocked. fans that I mean, wow. I think they, they they saw that moment in yeah. in history. And there haven't been a lot of guys to win 300 games since again, because the game has totally changed the way uh, the way it goes. But it was a uh, it was an interesting afternoon in the bronx no doubt about it it doesn't seem like um people is is this i mean i've only been in chicago a couple times and never on their mass transit system is it not as big as new because like the whole such a major part of the new york experience is those damn subways is that such a thing in chicago is there is is it a smaller you know route or something because you never hear as much about it coming out of chicago i mean there's i mean it's i think it's similar there's different uh, lines just like there are in new york in chicago uh, a lot of it is not below ground though it's all it's the elevated track so it's it's a little bit of a different experience um rather than going down like you do in new york a lot of the chicago you're going up to okay. to hop on the train and it just kind of winds its way through downtown but uh you know, lately the violence has been about the same. The crime's been about the same, and uh, <laughs> that's consistent. Uh, yeah, it's was uh, that the uh, let's see, risky business. Tom Cruise and Rebecca De Mornay, that famous train ride with the yes. Phil Collins track. Was that Chicago's? Yep. Uh, it was okay. Yeah, the beautiful city of Chicago, the L, yeah. as it once was. But uh, I mean, I do want to thank Tom Starkweather for not only yes, thank you, Tom, having the voicemail, but he is our one and only producer for today so he's the executive producer he's the expert comes in with 20 bucks nothing else no notes or anything i mean he left the voicemail so i guess there's that 
but it's a Monday show. Sometimes the Monday shows we've all, you know, that's the problem with doing a Friday show and a Monday show. We had like eight or 10 people that had donated on Friday, you know, Monday. This is why you have to pound on them then over Saturday and Sunday. Like, hey, we got another show. We got another show. But uh, Tom came in with 20 bucks. We appreciate that. It makes him the executive producer of this show. We do work on the value for value model, which means we put these shows out there. There's no paywall. You can listen to them to your heart's content. And we just ask, hey, did you get some value out of the show? And if so, put a number on it that means something to you. Put a number on it that you like. Go over to grumpyoldbens.com slash donate and choose the, well, you can use the donate button from PayPal like Tom Starkweather did, or you can use the QR codes or wallets for a various cryptocurrencies, or you can use the P.O. Box address to go the snail mail route. They are all very much appreciated. And yeah, I'm sure that is the uh, the area that Tom's from. We've talked to him before. On uh, we, we did a Nick the Rat show with him. And, uh, you know, Nick's an interesting guy. I mean, that's, uh, you know, the crazy stuff that happens in New York. I mean, you guys oh. should all do a podcast. You and Starkweather. And, uh, You're and, right. And Nick the Rat. Tales from the Bronx. Or, uh, Tales from the Bronx. Yeah. I mean, that's just. Yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of texture and flavor, or at least there was back then when I lived there. Yeah. It may have gotten worse. Uh, I mean, I feel bad for the cops that work in those areas. I mean, you're always talking about talking to the cops in the area where you are. And uh, yeah. the input you're getting from them. I mean, there's a guy that I follow just because he was a White Sox fan and his first name was the same as mine. We just start tweeting back and forth. But he's a Chicago cop. And, mm-hmm. you know, just some of the stuff I've seen him post is, uh, you know, it's it's disheartening. When you know that the mayor of your city is just not backing you and the job that these guys do is and girls is uh, is not a fun one. We talked about one of the last grumpy old Ben's, the video that recently came out of a guy that was just kind of walking, 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 walking. And as the cop finally uh, a car gets in front of him and the guy, you know, the cop gets out of the car, he just starts shooting, you know, no provocation, Mm -hmm. no you know, just yeah. very nonchalantly. And yeah. this is what you're seeing. There was just another shooting in uh, Times Square in New York. I saw that. And it's like, well, I, I saw I saw that it was a, sh- it was a the guy got caught in a crossfire. It said in the story between two CD vendors. <laughs> a wow. shootout between CD vendors. Well, I, okay. One, who's still buying CDs? Exactly. My thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> what? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it used to be fake watches was the big vendors back then. You know, $2 Rolexes. Now it's CDs. Yeah, I guess. DVDs, that, all that kind of thing. It's, wow. uh, uh, I didn't know that. Was, I mean, again, streaming should have killed all of that. I don't know who's buying movies. I mean, just learn, yeah. how, to, just learn how to download from uh, your favorite torrent site. Right. Yeah, oh, it's got to be terrible for cop. I'm surprised there's still a cop working. I mean, uh, it's it's so awful what's going on. Um, it's got to be the worst job in them. It's always been a tough job, but now it's like every let's let's hate them, let's defund them, whatever. It's 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 awful. It really is. At least we are seeing some of that backing down. I mean, Atlanta was talking big, and then ended up giving the police uh, more money. So I mean, I think there's uh, yeah. there is some sanity that's coming in, but then there's. There are people still on the other side, including, um, I believe it was a representative, was a Taib, and I think uh, AOC's still in on this. I mean, all of the squad members sure. that 
are still all in on, you know, not only defunding the police, mm-hmm. but abolishing prisons. And it's like, right. how do you see this going if you abolish prisons? I mean, this concept that everybody in prison, you know, is just one social worker appointment away from being a Boy Scout. I don't know mm-hmm. how that quite works, but uh, it's scary to me that people have been elected to hold office with those kind of opinions. And yeah. But why wouldn't they think that way? Because they're so far above it. They've got, uh, you know, they've got uh, armed guards where they work. Right. right. As we, as we found out recently, lots of those, um, they probably have bodyguards, they have chauffeurs, they have assistants. Uh, they, you know, they live above it all. So let the, you know, let everybody else sink or swim. Well, yeah, I've seen a couple of stories, at least, from politicians that were going to defund the police rallies who paid for police protection to go to the rally. Yeah, right. Yes. And I'm like, do you not yeah. get it? Do you not understand right. the irony there? Right. I don't know if they do. And uh, that's kind of scary. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I I can recall, uh, you know, as a kid in New York, um, a couple of years after John Lennon was killed, which was awful, right? And I was walking on Central Park West, I think. Yeah. Beautiful sunny day in the spring. And who's coming towards me but Yoko, right? Yoko, who was who was at that time very vehemently um, you know, anti-gun, and that's understandable. If you know, if my husband was just just been gunned down, I'd probably think the same way. Right. But then I looked, but yeah, it makes the, sense. The, guy, the, the guys flanking her, Darren, would probably have dwarfed you. Okay. <laughs> they were they were elephants. And both of them had, you know, like cult pythons on holsters exposed on their hips. And I thought, wait a minute. I know you don't like guns. I get that. But look at uh, on either side of you, Yoko. <laughs> right. You know? right. So there's there it is in a nutshell. You know, it's like everybody else. No guns. But I I want them. And I want and I want my bodyguards who are who are, who are human, you know, brontosauri. I want them to have them, too, because I'm not taking any chances. Right. And that is the issue. I mean, there's, <laughs> uh, you know, at the latest stat, I think was something like there's, you know, close to 400 million guns. In the United States. So the concept that you're going to be able to uh, to uh, to get them off the street is insanity at the best. You know, I don't know. uh, You know, I just I I really don't get how people uh, that they don't understand that the reality of the situation is there are so many guns that you're never going to get them off the street. This concept that you're going to be able to do that. It's not going to happen. And this. It's kind of like the defund the police thing, just saying, well, you know, if we only had more gun laws, it's like, no, that's not that's not the answer. But the you know, the left is never going to work within a, you know, a construct that makes sense. And uh, I guess that's unfortunately the system that uh, we have to deal with. And there are I guess there are three more voicemails that came in. Oh, wow. So, uh, I mean, people, this once they hear you, Larry, they're like, oh. Now we <laughs> should. Now we should get in on this. So let's see. What we've got. Let's see. Uh, I don't know how you master all this technical stuff, Darren. There's no way I could do what you do. None. It's it's like it's all the spinning plates. You just got to see wow. what works at once. It's just the same one here. Uh, Larry. Okay, 
Okay, that's Fletcher. We had, we had heard that one already, or is this another one, Fletcher? Larry. Fucking Larry. When are you moving to Texas? Okay, I think we got that okay, one. Okay, got that. So let's see here. Oh, hi. This message is for Larry. <laughs> I noticed your, your deep, booming voice there on this podcast. You're not wearing a mask. Now that goes against everything I've said. I know you want to take out of context the fact that I said don't wear a mask. But now I'm saying wear like 45 masks. And you're not even wearing one. You want people to die. You want to kill your grandmother, don't you, Larry? You could just hear her now. You're killing me, Larry. <laughs> Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, thank you. Not a bad... I'm uh, to speak with him. Not a bad yeah. impression. I know. I mean, that was the only uh, the only complaints I've ever gotten about the Larry show and the troll room are, your Fauci sucks. You could do a better Fauci impression. Oh, oh well. <laughs> like, no. I mean, I mean, you can always hire Fletcher. I mean, he, for some reason, he has... He has the Fauci voice, but yes. uh, you know, he's, he has the multi-talented uh, John Fletcher for a reason. Let's see. But you're not wearing a mask right now. So, I mean, I guess no. Fauci did have a point. He did. Let's that see. Guy. Next Tell voicemail me. here. We know Larry has a billboard. Has he considered doing GPS voiceovers? That would be great. Turn left here. <laughs> Turn right here. Now that you've safely arrived at your destination, be sure to visit that LarryShow.com. See, that would be great. I want to hear it. Oh, I mean, you could do that. I mean, if yeah. you have one of those, uh, like the Garmin, those old uh, GPS units, there are ways to put your own audio into that if you want that. I mean, obviously, Fletcher really? wants your voice to be the one guiding him down the highway. All right. I'll do it. Anything for a friend. And uh, this, this is Booberry. This must be Booberry's. He said he had left a voicemail here. Okay. What up, guys? This is Booberry. Sorry, there's a huge train rolling by. We've lost power today, so now i got time to leave a voicemail. Uh, that Larry show is probably hands down one of the best shows on the No Agenda stream, and I finally got my donation in today so I can stop being a douchebag or whatever the equivalent is. <laughs> Woo! Take no shit dojo. Uh, there was a point that y'all touched on earlier i just kind of wanted to throw a little perspective on because that was my life for the longest time but i've been working as a roadie for about eight years uh mostly in the touring broadway circuit so shows like cats uh fucking annie uh, whatever i mean they're, they're all kind of a circle wait wait boober that seems like it might be an x-rated show fucking annie is that different <laughs> uh, we need some we need some more information boo jerk of the uh, wokeism and whatnot but this idea that, uh, that they can do mandatory vaccines is, is, is just obscene, um, I think. And this whole Bruce uh, Springsteen, they're going to make you fucking show the uh, proof of vaccination. Uh, there was another concert, who was it, Foo Fighters at Madison uh, Square Garden. They're going to make you show the, the, the card and whatnot. I mean, a lot of these venues, uh, especially here in Minneapolis, like the U.S. Bank Stadium, they have security that is as tight as PSA so like you're just you're just lumping more on and it's it's ridiculous I, I don't I don't think it's sustainable honestly I think uh, I think they're going to try it for a little bit and you know that's that's just kind of my take on it I don't think they're I don't think they'll be able to keep it up I, I hope not at least because I for one would like to go back out on the road at some point in my life um, I'm for sure going to have to sit out this next co- couple of contracts because I've already gotten the word that uh, 
that they're going to make those shots mandatory for the touring personnel, uh, which I fundamentally disagree with, and I refuse to participate with uh, that sort of uh, chicanery. So I just gotta just gotta, gotta keep living that mojo, taking no shit. Uh, have a good show, y'all. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thank you, Mister Booberry, for your uh, for your voicemail, <clears throat> for for your opinion, which I happen to agree with, and for uh, supporting my show. Thank you. Yeah, I mean it's 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 like I I I come up with these terms I invent and uh, and one of them is is the famed now it's getting traction astcos which is assholes seeking to control others <laughs> yeah which is really at the essence of it you know and um, you're right if, if, if people what if the the whole idea of self determination and uh, you know kind of doing your own thing has somehow just gone completely passe. Um, in our culture, in in every regard, and it's horrible. I mean, you know, Darren, yeah, you got the J and J, and that works for you, and that makes you feel more confident. But perhaps it's protecting you and has from infection, and that's fucking beautiful, man. You should be allowed to whatever it is. You know, really, I mean, if you if if it wasn't a J and J vaccine, if it was a <clears throat> you know a hot spike full of China white, um, <laughs> it's I'm good with that because it's your it's your business, right? It's not mine, it, not at all. You know, but for somebody to insist that somebody else do this, you know, the group think, holy shit, it's really, it's really wrong. Uh, but I'm sure um, Booberry's correct. I, I had a, a, an incident myself a couple of weeks ago um, for one of the first times in L.A. anyway, uh, since since the whole lockdown was lifted. Um, some friends said, hey, we're going to have dinner at this Mexican, Mexican joint and then go see a show at this club. OK, fine. So. I, my wife checked the club and it said, oh, we're not seeing the show. Why not? Well, because they're saying you have to show proof of vaccination. And if you uh, or if you don't, you have to wear a mask. And I said, well, fuck that noise. We'll just have dinner and go home. And so over dinner, which was great, Mexican place, big margaritas, um, which, by the way, no one was masked there except the waiters. I don't know why the waiters were, but theater. Um, yeah, but it's hard to theater, wear a mask exactly. when having a margarita. Yeah, Kabuki Theater. That's it. So, but over dinner, this guy says to me, "Hey, man, uh, you coming to the show?" I said, no, he says, "Why not?" I told him. He says, oh, "I said it's bullshit. I was here a week ago, and and uh, you'll you'll get right in." So, okay, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Went to the box office after dinner, handed them a credit card. They handed us a couple of tickets. Walked in. Nobody said a fucking thing about vaccinations or masks. And we got in there, and there must have been five, six hundred people in there. Not one of them was masked. And I thought, well, shit, there's hope for you. LA and humanity and um because this it was c clearly just pro forma bullshit so if that's the case around the country good yeah, and that's how I see it's going to happen I think Boo is right that it's going to come on strong until they realize what kind of a pain it is to play TSA to yeah. ask for this kind of stuff that one as I've mentioned from day one especially after getting the vaccination they hand you a piece of paper it's not hard to copy. It right. is not on. Uh, there's no, you know, holograms. You know, if I buy an autograph from stupid Major League Baseball, there's a hologram with a number. There's right. nothing on this. It's a piece of paper. So yeah. having, you know, to be able to verify that the cards are real, if this is what you're really going to base. I mean, again, everybody's safety is on the right. fact that somebody right. could print out at home is uh, is insane trying to do this is absolutely insane because it's just right. way too much work and if this data is now real from these hospitals saying you know 99 percent of the people that are showing up here 
are only the ones that are unvaccinated, then, as you said, if you got the vaccine, why would you care if the person next to you didn't? That it doesn't make any sense. This is the perfect, I think, data for the result to be here's what happens, here's what the data shows. But if you've gotten the vaccination, don't worry about getting sick from somebody who didn't, you know, even if they're right next to you at a concert, not going to be a big problem for you. Yeah. It's just like well, the I flu. Think, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a, it's a learning curve though for big government. Uh, because as, as uh, Joey said at one of his recent puppet shows, I actually think it was <laughs> at, at the uh, Geneva one, big G7 or uh, Geneva. Um, he said, you know, quite clearly, you know, it's going to happen again. The next pandemic is coming. It's going to happen again. They're also sure it's going to happen again. Um, and I think what they've learned is next time it's not going to be a piece of paper. It's going to be some kind of a fucking app that oh, yeah. is mandatorily to, to download so they can do just like it is in mainland China and you know, everybody be controlled by their phones. Uh, and that's a little harder fake, I would think. Um, but that that's I think that's going to be. The, the next iteration of this insanity is, is is that type of digital control. Well, Fauci said when Trump was coming into office that this particular presidency was going to have to deal with a pandemic. And, I mean, when I first he did, he did say that. Yes, did, I, I had to go correct. and verify it because it was like, well, no, this seems yeah. like the usual Internet BS that somebody right. puts this out after because this, you know, the perfect thing just like we started with the mcafee this is perfect for the conspiracy theories right that fauci said this was going to happen but no that's exactly what he said and uh i mean we were getting to i mean these things happen about every hundred years and we were due so i mean you Mm -hmm. could just say that you know he was hedging his bets or that maybe he did know something that this was intentionally released i mean the scary thing for the people that believe it was intentionally released believe it was just a test run for something bigger so i mean <laughs> yeah yeah that's gonna be gonna be fun to watch and uh you know i don't i mean i know you uh you took on the foo fighters and I, i'm not gonna blame them for the msg i don't know who's you know who was signing off on the paperwork i do understand all of these bands that wanted to get back out there and play if i were you know dave grohl and Madison Square Garden's like, well, the only way you could do this is if we have everybody vaccinated. I'd be like, okay, whatever. You know, it'll be interesting to see where it kind of goes from here, because that is the anti, you know, rock and roll thing is to. Yeah, it is. Check papers. Uh, You know, I'm curious if they actually in a crowd that size, a full Madison Square Garden. How do you check those papers is the other question. And. You know, everybody coming in with you, how do you check? You know, is it just because one person could buy multiple tickets? Then, you know, when are you checking right. just at the door? And uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, well, if I were Dave Grohl first, I'd take some guitar lessons. <laughs> or, um, that'd be number one or stop. Stick to the drums. Yeah, he's a drummer, but um, he didn't. Want, I mean, I get he's it. He's a drummer, but he thinks he's he thinks he's a guitar player, too, which is kind of you're not Dave. You're not. Um, <laughs> you know, I recently let me, to be fair, I recently got the first Foo Fighters album on vinyl. And uh, he yeah. played all the instruments on there. I mean, at least in the studio, he's okay. I mean, he's not yeah. spectacular, but I mean, again, compared to what a lot of people can do today where they don't actually yeah. even play their instruments. Uh, you True. Know, he's not the worst I've heard. I mean, you have no. Billie Eilish, which I know Fletcher loves, um, <laughs> but you have these, you know, groups that are, uh, you know, mainly computerized and that. And uh, I mean, we could probably do a whole music 
podcast just on, oh, sure. uh, you know, the great, sure. uh, do you, you, uh, familiar with the, the first season was great of, uh, what was it called? Off the tour bus. The guy that did, uh, Beavis and Budhead did it. Was it Mike judge? Oh, Mike judge. No, I have not seen that. Oh, it's it all, uh, there's eight episodes. They were all country artists and the stories of, uh, you know, what happened nice. behind the scenes and, you know, from the, uh, George Jones driving his lawnmower down to get more booze. And, uh, well, that sounds fun. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stories in the music industry. No doubt about it. Oh yeah. Endless, endless, uh, source. Yeah. Yeah. The best stories. Yes. You know, most, most music, you know, I like the funny thing is, you know, I kind of cut uh, musicians, uh, a lot more slack than movie stars because it, in most cases, you know, people that, that, um, that rise to the top of the music industry, certainly who are musicians, not samplers, right? They, they have to be pretty goddamn good. You really can't fake that. You can't fake it for long, you know, as opposed to acting, you know, I mean, it's totally subjective. You, you, you hit a clinker on a, on an instrument or you're off the beat and everybody knows, but if a performance sucks, it's, you're always going to find somebody to go, Oh, no, I, thought, I thought it was great. Right. They look great. You know, it's, it's, it's so subjective. Um, so I give a little more credence to them. Uh, and I've, you know, I've known a lot of musicians and I can't think of any that I really didn't like. They're all pretty much fun people. Um, don't take themselves all that. Well, the ones I knew right, so right. seriously, which is, which is nice. You you know? Know, very creative. Uh, yeah. There's a guy that I really like, uh, Todd Snyder, who's a folk singer and, mm-hmm. you know, very liberal because that's what folk singers are. Yeah. But, you know, he is one of the best storytellers out there he has a song uh, um um cre- uh, what's it right wing christian right wing american male conservative christian right wing republican males one of his uh, titles which is it's a great song um right. but he goes on and tells a bunch of stories during a show and it, it's a kind of uh when the political things start getting a little bit more uh intense in the country uh he start doing a bit that he's like you know i just want to tell you that i come out here from town to town and I don't tell you my opinions because I think that they're smart or you should do what I do, but I'm telling you them because they rhyme. And that was, was <laughs> That's like, good. I like that. Yeah. It's like, and I can yeah, get behind that. Okay. I don't mind. I mean, Steve Earl is very liberal and he wrote some very, you know, liberal tunes. I mean, including a love song to Condi Rice, which is called, I think just Condi Condi, which is mm-hmm. genius musically. And it's like, I can appreciate that. I don't have to agree with your yeah. politics. Um, because if I did, yeah. if I only went by people that I like, oh, I really 100% like your politics, it's like Ted Nugent and Kid Rock, and then who else is there? Yeah, really. It's it's a it's a Toby smaller Keith, field. That's about it. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of country artists, although that's even changing now. Yes, it is. Because, uh, you know, you got to be woke. Got to be. But what gotta do people be. need to know about that Larry show? I know we've mentioned it a couple times, and we know Boo is now a member of the Take No Shit Dojo, but is there anything? welcome, Boo. Welcome to the dojo. <laughs> yeah, Larry, it's, it comes out uh, every Wednesday or thereabouts. Sometimes it's more like Thursday and uh, weekly. And uh, it's a melange of uh, everything from, um, you know, stories from my life to uh, some commentary on current events. Uh, it doesn't get very overtly political other than to say I hate copy commies and they <laughs> suck and they should all go away. Um, and, um, 
you know, have some fun. Once in a once in a great while, I interview someone like it was eighteen months ago, John McAfee. Um, yeah, and then and see what it, happened to that guy. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Nick the Rat said that the other day. He's like, you know, that we were like one of the last or the last interview yeah. he did before he got caught. I'm like, do you really want that on you, <laughs> Nick? Yeah, really. <laughs> Really, you know what I'm, I got to say, I'm really pissed at myself with that too because I really, I really enjoyed that guy. I mean, he was enormously entertaining. He was very nice to me. Gave me a lot of his time. We we had a lot of laughs in that in that show. And then when he was uh, incarcerated, um, Janice put out a, a tweet with his um, his address where to write to him at, um, at in that prison. And I still have on my hard drive here, uh, you know, two page letter that uh, i meant to send to him and i just never got around to it i'm really pissed at myself because of that because i wanted to and that's uh that's one of the tenets of the uh, christian faith is to visit the sick and the incarcerated or at least sort of communicate with them in some way and boy i blew that opportunity and for that i'm sorry um nice guy hey nobody is perfect i mean yeah. we, we can still hope that he's still out there somewhere oh that would be such a beautiful thing <laughs> Yeah, but uh, and the one conservative uh, rocker we forgot about, Booberry mentions your favorite, Alice Cooper. Alice, baby, he's the truth, man. Yeah, what a trailblazer. Really. Yeah, the, I mean, really, he's the guy that kind of uh, invented the whole big crazy stage show, and uh, oh, absolutely, or at least he, perfected he, it. Yeah, I mean, theatrical rock is uh, his baby. Um, yeah, but you know, again, he's he's. Uh, um, the, the odd thing is when you, when you hear other musicians talk that, uh, came after him, it's, it's just, oh, I'm always shocked at how many people always say, well, who are your influences? And you expect to hear, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, Bill, Dylan, whatever, but just as often, and sometimes more often, it's like Alice Cooper, like what he really, he really did some remarkable stuff, um, in his catalog really did. Yeah, and so. the longevity is there. Oh, yeah. we get people that want to hear all the time. On the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show, we're always playing Alice because, uh, I mean, he does. Everybody, of course, schools out. Everybody knows Billion Dollar Babies, but there is a lot of this. I mean, there's songs that are the the deeper cuts, as they Mm -hmm. say, that hold up. He's not an artist that has. I mean, there are some artists where it's like, okay, they put out an album of ten songs. You know, one's going to be killer, two are going to be decent, and Mm -hmm. seven are going to be like, eh, I don't even want to hear them. Yeah, but that wasn't Alice Cooper ever. And uh, yes, and one of the things I also really admire about Alice is he's he's uh, unpretentious. You know, there's this guy who's had a fantastic long career, still tours. I saw him at the Greek theater a couple of years back. It was fabulous. And um, so many of these guys, they get to a point and they think they can do it all, you know. Um, and Alice, I've seen him five or six times over the years, never seen him touch an instrument ever um and i admire that he's he's a front guy he's the personality he's the guy with the cane and the top hat and he doesn't have to steal anybody else's thunder and when it's time for everybody to run a riff or take a lick he fades man i saw him walk right off the stage at uh, at the greek and he has he's got some chick the really pointy beautiful blonde chick uh, nita strauss who's his uh lead guitarist now she replaced uh the other hot blonde what was her name only on for I forget she played. She was uh, with Sambor for a while, and Alice just uh, you know he vanished, man. Because it's like, hey, it's your turn in the spotlight. Take it, um, and that's a that's a very cool thing. And so many performers won't do 
won't do that. Right. You right. Know? It's, it's like, hey, watch me. I can, I can beat a drum. I can get one note out of a trumpet. You know, I know three cards, chords. Give me that Stratocaster. You know, that's so annoying. And Alice never does that. Well, he knows he's doing a long show. And if you can go yeah. kick back for two or three minutes, you know. Well, that too. Sure. He gets to, to have some water. You get right. the longer shows going. I just love the stories of him playing uh, golf with uh, Glenn Campbell. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's told some great stories, including oh, one yeah. where there's a photo of him in some police department somewhere that a red light camera caught. Um, and it was him and, uh, and Glenn Campbell in the car. And it's just like, yeah, you, you wouldn't see those two guys normally together. But I guess they were good buddies and uh, mm-hmm. and like to go out golfing all the time. and. You know, he, he good musicians stick with good musicians, and I don't even know. Does Alice play? He has to play something, I, but I just maybe I, not on stage. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But I've never seen him uh, touch a keyboard or a or a shoulder guitar ever. So I don't know. If only Ryan Bemrose had never touched a microphone. You know? Oh come on! I love Ryan. How can you do this? <laughs> you know, he, he was. I said we can give you a uh, a link into today's show, and he's like, no, I I, I would just. Uh, you know, be bringing things down today. Just do two. I know he's got his feet in water jugs and just having so much fun. And I looked at the weather and it's I mean, it's going to be much more livable after today, but it's still 90 and high 80s in that area for like the next week, yeah. which is uh, it's not fun when you don't have a building that has you know central air or, you know, even the small sure. and it's. It's it's crazy when you're not used to that kind of stuff happening. He's like, well, yeah, usually you only get like a couple of days a year where you wish you had air conditioning. I mean, this just happened that there is a lot of them put together. Well, here's some grist for for Ben's uh, for the Ben show. Uh, I don't know if you've seen lately. It seems like every time I click out on a video on YouTube or anywhere, there's an ad for some guy selling a a device which is about the size of a kid's lunchbox. Okay, and it's got uh, vents on or baffles, and it says this, this, whatever the hell it is, sixty nine ninety ninety five dollar thing will refrigerate an entire room. <laughs> and I go, sure. So somebody, it can't be real. I always, I always say skip ad and click away from it. But I, I want somebody to explain that or debunk that because something, something tells me it's bullshit. <laughs> you see, you just need a magic lunchbox, Ryan. That's magic all you need. Lunchbox. <laughs> you could be you could be super cool you could be well endowed you could be the smartest guy in the room you just need the magic lunchbox <laughs> he says oh, that's yeah. it yeah yeah and, and he will be back i mean unless he melts good on don't on, melt he'll be back on friday and i asked him the other day i'm like so how you doing and his answer was i'm not dead <laughs> so, <laughs> so i asked well, well if you die would you at least let me know so uh so I know how to plan for uh for future shows, but hopefully by Friday the weather will be a little bit cooler yeah. in the uh in the Seattle area. I mean he knows he has to evacuate that area and uh I- I'm guessing he'll get out of there before you get out of California. Because like you said, you got the kids. The kids are an anchor, they really are. Yeah. What you really need is just a nice yacht somewhere that you yeah, can uh, you're talking. Just boy, oh boy. go a little bit off the uh, coast, yeah. get out into the water. And uh, yeah, and do whatever you want. But everybody should check out that Larry show dot com. Thank you. I know uh, when I said we were taking some calls and uh, some voicemails, my wife, Kim, was like, oh, oh, tell him I love Moose. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> she digs that dog. Uh, Moose is the best. He's the greatest. Yeah. 
He had a, he had a rough couple of past days. He had some cluster seizures again, which were, mm, boy, those are tough to deal with. But he always bounces back. He's a resilient little guy. Yeah. Well, that is good. Take good care of little moose. Or I he, shall. He takes care of you. There's there's no question about that. Oh, he does. Big time. And uh, check yeah. out that LarryShow.com for all the stories. All Thank the, you, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I never heard the one about the New York subway. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, there's always, you, know, that, you, you never know where you're going back to for the stories. I love all the Tony Spamonte stuff. The uh, uh, Tony. The uh, I mean, you ran with a crowd that uh, I mean, you're lucky still to be alive. I think in some of these uh, stories, um, uh, there were there were some moments, sure, um, but uh, I never took any unnecessary risks. And the funny thing is, people, a lot of people like they hear about that um, my childhood, and uh, at that time in New York City, um, basically, if you didn't know a, a mobster or two, you were probably basement bound. <laughs> I mean, they were everywhere. There's nothing unique to me, you know, and um, I was fortunate. I mean, I knew a lot of them. I worked in a bar um, during college, which was uh, owned by a, a, you know, I don't know what the hell he was. He wasn't a captain, whatever the hell it was, captain in some rank. Well, most of anything was at that time. A lot of mob guys used to come in there, you know, guys, hitmen and leg breakers and all kinds of shit. But Tony, I was very fortunate in that uh, he, I, I met him through my girlfriend, her best friend wound up being his wife. And Tony was like, oh, well, as people know, he was kind of the um, kind of the thinking man's gentleman mobster. You know, I never saw him do anything that uh, was uh, kind of shitty. You know, he, he really he, amazingly he had a he had a great moral compass. He really did. And a lot of them were psychopaths. You know, they were just stone killers and maniacs. And those ones I avoided. Tony was not. Tony had his head on straight and he was a pretty good guy. So we hung out, you know, quite a bit. Probably better businessmen than most business oh, no question. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Total realist. No bullshit. Yeah. And he owned a lot of businesses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is what the Take No Shit Dojo is about. And go to that LarryShow.com. And there's what, Thank 300 you. and some odd episodes. Oh, my God. Now, I'm- and- I'm working now on episode 316 and then add in about 40 bonus episodes on top of that. So I'm over 350 now. Yeah. Yeah. There's some getting caught up to do for me even. And everybody that's listening, if you're not caught up, go do so. And thanks, Larry, for sitting in for Ryan. Thank you. This, I mean, if there's anybody to sit in for Ryan, at least I know he liked half of the show. Just like when he's on, he always likes half of the show. So (laughs) he'll appreciate at least your half of this episode. But anytime you want to come hang out, he'll want to talk to you now. So that'll we'll have to have you back on once the thank uh, you so much. Once the heat, always a pleasure to hang with you guys and uh, always listen to your shows. They're fantastic. And are we lucky? I mean, as as evil as this digital uh, thing can be, man, it's certainly put me in touch with uh, some wonderful people and uh, very fortunate. So it's it's a nice little kind of crew we've got. I really nice to be a part of it oh it is it's you're right it's the digital pirate radio it is yeah where we take no shit and there's no censorship and it's all thanks to the podfather and void zero for putting the infrastructure together that lets us do this live when we do the shows mondays and fridays at noon eastern time but with that said we will be back on friday with ryan if he doesn't melt thanks once again larry i am darren o'neill thank you Coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's oh, it's like 65 degrees in here. Is that is that cooler than it is by you, Ryan, if you're listening? 